the motion picture that shows what America's all-time number one bestseller first put into words. I wasn't much of a man living with you, Neely, but that's over. I'm straightened out now. With that little whore! That little whore makes me feel nine feet tall. Dolls, the instant turn-off. For instant love. Instant excitement. Ultimate Hell. Starring Barbara Parkins as Anne. Good girl with a million-dollar face and all the bad breaks. Patty Duke as Neely, who was such a nice kid. And then someone put her name in lights and turned her into a lush. Sharon Tate as Jennifer. International sex symbol, victimized by everyone. Anne, honey, let's face it. All I know how to do is take off my clothes. The nation's most startling and hotly discussed bestseller, now on the screen with every shock and sensation intact. Now, the all-time bestseller is the motion picture you wanted it to be. Valley of the Dolls. And the sequel was by Roger Ebert, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Fantastic. And it's got Patty Duke, who is Sean Astin's mother. So you got to see it for that alone. All right. Why, hello. It is uh, six minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of October. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, the talk of this, my friends. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming by and making a part of your listening day. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, ruminations, ponderings, two cents, whatever it is you might have. 503-733-2970. Let's quickly go around the room. Can you eat the tamale paper? Tim. You can, because usually it's the corn husk. Richie, can you eat the tamale paper? No. Richie says no. Okay, well, then I shouldn't. Sarah Dillon, can you eat the tamale paper? I, I do not know. I tried to cut it, and it would not cut. The answer was, is 12. I, I attempted to eat it. All right. It's, uh, and that you're talking about the little husky stuff that they wrap it around, right? Yeah. See, and I don't know the answer to that either. Paddock gave me frozen food for my birthday. Really? He gave me, yeah, he spread me a bag of his favorite frozen foods from New Zealand. Did I give you a case of Easy Mac last year? No, Seamus did. For. I thought I did too. All right. Well, whatever. Mm, last year you gave me my money clip. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. All right. Uh, well, in any event. You know, there's a whole list of things, like, like food, where you're not sure what you're supposed to eat and what you're not. You know what I mean? There's an obvious example, like rice candy, which is sort of the analogy I was using early on when you were asking me if you can eat the tamale husk. Well, here's the thing. If you eat the tamale well, it husk... It's like a burrito wrap. So I'm like, can you not... Are you supposed to just eat everything out of the middle of it? See, I don't really know the answer to that, because a tamale husk seems like a thing that you could eat, but maybe you're not supposed to. it's kind to. of purposeless. Like, if I can't eat it, then why is it there? That's a really good question. Is it decorative, Tim? That is the way that Mexicans make it. It's the way that indigenous peoples prepare it. Yes. So, 
but I guess my thing about the, about the tamale wrap is, was that something born of necessity? In other words, yes. is the tamale still cooked in the tamale wrap because it, that is just the way it's always been done? And was it originally done that way because necessity required that it be wrapped in something for cooking and that was what was handy? I, I would say necessity still dictates that in many areas of the world. All right. But, but, here, but here in North America, it's just done because it's traditional. I wonder yeah. if it says on the wrapper. Do not eat husk. People enjoy their traditional foods, regardless of what nationality they are. Well, do you ever do this? Uh, 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 do you ever go and they serve you some kind of seafood and you're unclear about what parts of the seafood you're supposed to eat and what parts you're not? Oh, yeah. Like they'll bring you like some shrimp or some fish or something and you're like, all right, wait a minute. Now, I, am I supposed to be eating this whole fish? Just the outside? Just the inside? Should I eat the tail? What about the shrimp over here? Am I supposed to take this entire shell off? Is part of the shell edible? I don't really know the answer to that. So, all right. It doesn't say to not eat the husk. See, that's a, don't well, you think they would direct you not to eat the husk if it was something you weren't supposed to consume? If I was home and we weren't having this conversation, I was trying to eat this, I would probably eat the husk. Really? Yeah, because it looks like it looks like a burrito wrap. I think I've eaten we the husk in the, the past. Right all right. Let's all eat some husk. Oh, no, it's kind of like paper. Listen to this. Well, it is. Uh, are you going to eat the husk right now? Eat the husk. Eat the husk. Eat the husk. Go, 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 go. You can hear somebody at a McCain rally chanting that. <laughs> eat the husk. <laughs> it's like eating the okay, worm. I can't eat the husk. Did you try? You didn't really try. Put I it back. Try. Put it back in your mouth. <laughs> no. Try harder. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're not working hard enough at it. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, we are here uh, in beautiful downtown Portland. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and creepy. Uh, to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious... The mundane or somewhere in between. You want to email, you can uh, do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Uh, or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right, here's what's coming up today. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today as we look forward. And that really is just the most, it's just the most euphemistic kind of looking forward. I mean, it's when I say the next Wednesday's presidential debate, which could be the last one, and then we're done. Then we're done with the debating. Then, but see, after When's next, the next one, next Wednesday, we're going to be carrying that here. Uh, Tim Riley and myself will be doing a running commentary for that, and uh, perhaps I shouldn't say. I'll say it now. Make him do it. Peter Carlin's going to be doing it too. Yay. So next Wednesday, the final presidential debate will be aired right here, uh, 6 p.m. on AM 970, The Tucker, and then Tim Riley, Peter Carlin, Finney Oregonian, and myself will be doing running commentary for that. But then after next Wednesday's debate, we still got well, like another two weeks, th- two and a half weeks. The two-and-a-half-week period that we've got from now until the election is very awkward. At this point, I either want the, the campaign cycle to go on for another six months, or I just want it to be over. Two-and-a-half weeks is just frustrating. I either want it to be done, or I want it to go on without end. Uh, but it, the longer it goes, the stupider it makes people. <laughs> that really, including us, by the way. Uh, I, I do think that, I mean, we're sort of shielded from it down here in this room. But just as, you know, sometimes there's crazy in the air, or, you know, radon or dust or something... And we don't get a lot of it down here. We get maybe 10% of the crazy that's in the air above ground. We get about 10% of that down here. So it has, I think, a low-grade but cumulative effect on us. And I do believe that even here, shielded as we are, uh, behind walls and doors and, uh, you know, and windows and microphones and whatever, some and considerable physical and figurative distance from the outside world, 
I do think the longer this campaign goes on, just the more irritated and dumb it makes all of us. So, well, in any event. Uh, Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York. Uh, we will have uh, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio uh, in later on today to review something. Or, I don't even know what... Does W come out today? Or is that next week? I think it's next week. Does anything good come out today? Is there anything... You can still go and see Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Can you? Yes. All right. <laughs> I mean, Chris Paddock will be going a second time. You can sit next to him. Uh, Dorothy Cox is Terry. saw that? Of course. He goes to see everything. And he was trying to justify it. He's like, well, it's, uh, it's show prep. Uh, and it, it, no one really, no one really believed his lies. Uh, Dorothy Castaneri for the National Enquirer will be joining us today, which is sort of interesting because I think, and we were talking about this yesterday off the air. So the National Enquirer on the cover of the new issue, they flat out say that what's her name, that Jamie Spears is already pregnant again, had the, had the last baby three months ago, ninety days ago she had the kid, and so the Enquirer flat out says that she's pregnant again, uh, but then TMC, TMZ.com says she's not. So, anyway, we'll ask Dorothy if the Inquirers are standing by their story, which I imagine they are. What else? Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, Britney Watch, unrelated to her host sister. Uh, what else? Clergy Watch coming up today. Um, another uh, edition of Speaking for 60 Seconds, uh, which we will try to give away a copy, a pair of uh, tickets, rather, to see Rollins next Monday, the 13th, of the Newmark Theater. Henry Rollins, spoken word next Monday, the 13th. So we will do 60 Seconds of Speaking for that later on. Guns and Roses news, which is exciting, but almost certainly unbelievable. And uh, your phone calls. It's 503-733-2970. So before we do anything else, I should also make this observation about the top five. So if you go to myspace.com slash Rick Emerson, we've been having listeners contribute their top five lists, the top five teenage moping songs. And the goal was to have a listener in today to count that down. But I think that's going to end up happening early next week instead. So that will probably not happen. It'll probably be early next week. We have a listener do their top five teenage moping songs. We'll have Lisa Desjardins do it. Then we're done forever. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. Wall Street extended its devastating decline today. Still seeing no resolution to the credit crisis. Selling frantically, propelling the Dow Jones Industrials to their eighth straight day of losses in the worst week ever. Meanwhile, a good Samaritan treats strangers to free gasoline in West Lynn. A water leak likely caused that house to fall down the hill. A Southeast Portland burglar apologizes to his victims with a text message. Connecticut legalizes gay marriage, making it the third state to do so. Massachusetts and California are the other two. John McCain's audiences are getting louder and crazier and potentially dangerouser. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's in vacation mode today. By the way, I should note that Tim Riley, not dressed as he usually is, which is... Tim is wearing a hoodie today. Well, I have to deliver some building materials to my rental unit. And then I have to drive to PDX to the worst traffic imaginable. (laughs) (laughs) Have fun with that. You know, when you buy things from Captain Kirk online... Yes. You don't get convenient hours to travel. <laughs> Even well, though the prices are lower. Captain Kirk? Well, you know, because the, the, uh, what, it's travel, or is it Priceline? Yeah. I'm going to travel, I say Priceline. Priceline well, will dump you in the worst traffic. It'll make you want to turn around and go home every time. But it is inexpensive, though. Yes, uh, you are pay, but you are, you are sort of paying figuratively for paying less, literally. Yes. Um, and so we actually use, but Laura and I will use Priceline. But that's the thing. You go to Priceline, you're going to pay a lot less. And this really is... Not an official endorsement. I'm just saying it. It's sort of a. I will say that we've used Priceline, and I will say that we've had positive results from that service because they do charge you a lot less. But it's a, okay. Look, you're going to be leaving at 2:15 in the morning. And we're going to give you cracker crumbs for lunch. <laughs> exactly. Look, you're going to be duct taped to the wing of the plane. 
So uh, here's some mufflers. All right, here's something to bite down on during the flight. And that's it. Uh, but you are going to save a lot of money. So, I mean, a little bit of a yin and yang there. Anyway, so you are delivering uh, building materials after the show and then going to, to PDX to fly uh, to the City of Angels? Yes. All right. Spend the weekend. Awesome. All right. A marvelous time. Jim Riley will uh, he will return on Tuesday then. I think. All right. Uh, else? What? No, Tim on Monday? Uh, no, Timmy Ryan on Monday, uh, Tim Riley on Tuesday. Yes. A weekend to look forward to that. You get a whole basket full of things here for Timmy to read. Yeah. Elsewhere, Italy's prime minister wants to close down the world's financial markets and kind of rewrite the rules. The Dow Jones has plunged below the 8,000 mark. We can keep going on the Dow Jones every every minute. Justin Timberlake will hold a rally for Obama in Vegas. And fish are beginning to kill people and feast on their corpses. The best day ever, Tim. You betcha. All right. Uh, you know, and you leaving means that somebody will die on Monday. I'm not saying that as a threat. It's just a journalistic no, fact at every, this point. Every time I go away, something good happens. And yeah. I end up kicking myself. The funny part is, I just use the phrase, because you're gone, somebody is going to die. And then you immediately responded by saying, yes, every time I leave, something good happens. There you go. That's the show in a nutshell right there. Something uh, prevalent in a newsman's life. Newsworthy. Should be missing, yes. Uh-huh. All right. You know, the, the creepy thing about that is, Tim, there's some celebrity walking around right now not knowing that they're about to die and that Power you will have caused it. Seriously. I'll see somebody walking on the wing of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just watching. It's funny you mentioned somebody in the wing of the plane. You know what I was just watching this morning? I was watching a part of Twilight Zone, the movie. That's weird that you would make that observation because Twilight Zone the movie has that nightmare at 20,000 feet with John Lithgow, which is a remake, of course, of the and Twilight just, Zone episode. With... And I just know it from The Simpsons. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, hey, speaking of The Simpsons, I think Mr. Tamako will be coming in today real briefly to talk about his taping of The Simpsons commentary because The Simpsons season 11 box set just came out, the DVD set. And, of course, there's the Tamako episode, and we have actually had the real Mr. Tamako on here. He grew a uh, tomato-tobacco hybrid plant. And he's on the Simpsons commentary for the Season 11 DVD set, and on the commentary he mentions this show. So he's going to come by today and drop off the DVD set so we can sort of pull that soundbite, and I think he's going to come in the studio and talk about it. Because I'd be curious to know, you know, how one of those DVD commentary tapings actually works. You know, like, do you fly to L.A., or do you do it here, you... He's some studio where you're sitting in a room with Matt Groening or something, so he's going to come and talk about that. Um, before we uh, talk to Sarah, we've got a, a few emails here. For example, this one. Dear God, did you really attempt to eat the corn husk that wraps a tamale? I guess one could theoretically eat it, but you could also eat a banana peel. Would it taste good? No. Finally, why are you asking a room full of white people how to eat a tamale? You know what? They need to tell Whitey what we can and cannot eat. Why do you not know these? Why do you not know this? Uh, he says the corn husk is there because it adds a distinct flavor while the tamale is steamed. Also, some tamales are wrapped in banana leaves and not corn husks. He says, Jesus God, my ancestors are screaming from their pillaged graves. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Um, how about this one? About the husk. Simple answer. Do you eat the husk when you have corn in the cob? No. No, you don't, Whitey. All right. Sorry. Uh, and and this is all true. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stellan. Hello, how are you? Hello. Well, first off, I'd like to thank CBS Radio for my giant ergonomic keyboard. I don't know what is up with that keyboard. You have a keyboard that's the size of a Chrysler. It is the biggest keyboard I have ever seen in my entire life. Now, is that because you were because you were getting a weird carpal tunnel, like your hands were going all yeah, wacky? Yeah. So, um, so Troy, who's awesome, uh, directed me to Dave's Inn, and he's like, look in this catalog and then pick out an ergonomic keyboard. And I didn't know what. I'm just like, okay, whatever is the cheapest one. Oh, so you picked it out yourself. Well, I didn't, yeah, it was it was the cheapest one of all the ergonomic keyboards. I'm like, I just want the cheap one. Whatever. It was like, I don't know, like 70 bucks or something. See, I do the opposite. Whenever CBS is going to pay for something, I just go, I pick, it doesn't even matter if I can use it. I pick the most expensive thing I can possibly find. Well, this 
is bigger than my computer. Uh, it's huge. It's There's no describing huge. how big your keyboard is. I mean, and it's got... It's so like here's, two inches off the counter, like raised up two inches. It's two inches thick and about, I don't know, like a little over two feet long. So Sarah's ergonomic keyboard is, as you just said, yet is at some points, though, it's raised as much as, I think, three and a half inches because it... It, it, it key- looks like a vinyl album that's been left out in the sun. It does. It looks warped. <laughs> it is like you took a regular computer keyboard, made it about six inches longer, about, I don't know, four inches, you know, sort of wider from top to bottom, and then bent it at about the one-third point. If you're going from the left, you went about a third of the way in, and then you bent it, as Tim said, by melting it somehow. I mean, it's really weird looking. I mean, it, I guess... I mean, my wrists feel fabulous. Honestly, yeah. like I mean, because it's it's like the first time I can rest because this is you know elevated like three inches. Well, see, and you got see you can type too, which is why that works. The problem with ergonomic keyboards is if you didn't take a typing class in school, it's pointless because if you're like me and I do the hunt and peck thing, you know, I use like I use my basically my just my pointer fingers to type with, and I've been doing that for so long I can type at a pretty good clip that way. But an ergonomic keyboard does me no good at all. I mean, I'm just, it's completely useless. So, and you get, you get better off than my friend Ryan, who just messed up his wrists so badly. I don't know if I told the story off the air or on the air, but he messed up his wrists so badly because he did data entry all day that eventually he had this thing that was simultaneously retarded and great. Where he actually had to wear a headband, and in the middle of oh, the headband, the other day. in the middle of the headband was like a laser pointer, like you're playing Duck Hunt. And then he had a foot pedal, like, for a sewing machine, and that was how he had to use his cursor. Like, instead of a mouse, he would move his head around while looking at the screen to move the, the mouse or the cursor, and then he would press the foot pedal, and that was, like, double-clicking. Mm. Which is great, but, you know, but then, but then you look like some guy who had, like, some sort of a spine-snapping ski accident, or then you look like you're in that foot-and-mouth painting or, organization. Well, there are all so these, good. like, weird things, like, what's this Zoom thing do? It doesn't do anything. There are all these, like, weird buttons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, and so yeah, so I had forth. my birthday yesterday. I'm hungover. All right. Well, you you had a but I have to say the last night was the first. I've never been to your uh your place except How for when I helped you move in. Your I really no fooling. You have like the best house I've ever been to. Uh, that really no offense, Tim. It's for sale. It is. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. They're showing it today too. Enjoy it while you can, Sarah. No, they're showing it, and I called the guy. He gave called me, and she's like, "Hey, Sarah, this is Blank. Just to let you know, I'm gonna be showing your space tomorrow." I'm like, "Hey," called back. I'm like, "Hey, Blank. I have. I'm like, I'm. It's my birthday, and I'm having about 30 people over, and it's gonna be trashed. So it's gonna reek of vomit. Have fun yeah. showing that. So it's completely like they're just beer cans. And beer bottles everywhere, and you know, like, cigarette butts all over the back porch and stuff. I'm like, so I saw your place last year when I helped you move in. So the last time I saw it, it was, was all like, like that was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was like War of the Roses, just boxes everywhere. Um, but it, it, it really, it, just no fooling. Your house is fantastic. I mean, it really is wonderful. And as Tim it pointed look, out, for especially clean. It, it did. I mean, it was it was uh, it was quite. Fed. You really ought to take some photos of that if you if you move or if they sell the place out from underneath no, you. Yeah, when your lease is up, you got to you got to do that. It's uh yeah, it's quite something. All right. I'm, yeah, I was very proud of myself. I'm like, yeah, that was it was fun. Yeah. Uh, there were lots of babies. And there were babies everywhere, mm-hmm. man. It's one of those things where you realize a that you're getting old and b how it, it, there are points when you realize. How do I put this? You know, starting, I think when you leave high school, you start to diverge from other people. Everybody kind of goes under their own path. But it's one of those things you always hear about. It's sort of like when they talk about uh, sending anything into outer space. It's got to be exactly correct because if your trajectory is off by even one degree, you won't notice it right away. But as the thing you're shooting into outer space gets further away, like that one degree off 
you know, by the time it's into space, like the thing will be a thousand miles off course. Mm-hmm. When you leave high school, I think everybody kind of gets on their own path and they head in their own different direction, sometimes slightly, sometimes a lot. And you don't recognize it right away until you're 35 years old and you're at Sarah's birthday party last night. And you realize that all the other people there, more or less in your age group, and they've all got kids. Everybody but you. I mean, Laura and I were there, no kids, and then, of course, you don't have kids. And, uh, you and, know, welcome, and I realized last night, too, that all my friends are couples. Yep. There were, um... They're all either me. married or coupled, and they've all reproduced. Yeah, and I met, and, you know, and, like, people have, like, new girlfriends and stuff. That was, that was, that was yeah. Strange. Anyway, but, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was me, Heather, Weaver, Kyle... And that's it. And, the, and like the, the three other people all were like yeah. paired up. Yeah, and they were, and they're all there with like teething toys and baby bottles oh, and yeah. bags full of stinking diapers. So but how just, cute is Summer's kid though? Yeah, the kids are pretty great. Here's the thing about kids. You they're, know when they're both really. You good. know when kids are especially great when you know that you don't have to take them home. That's when mm-hmm. kids are great. Kids are great when you go, hey, aren't you adorable? Hey, go, okay, now go back to your mom. That's you know, I mean, mm-hmm. when you can say, hey, yeah, you're. You're a great child. Let me hand you back to somebody else now who has to take care of you. Yeah. So it was a good time. Um, I know, and you guys stuck around a lot longer than I thought you would. I was impressed. No, it's... Uh, the, the, I had some friends that were secret fans who I didn't know actually listened to the show. Because uh, my friend Billy came up to me and was like, what'd you do with the good vodka? <laughs> like, what? I guess yeah, because he heard me give you the vodka Yeah, yesterday. I didn't know that he had listened. Uh, Rick Emerson's <laughs> trying to be more social. So. You did uh, good. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, let's see. We'll do some calls here in a second. Um... Oh, by the way, did you tell me that that you had to... Did I make this up in my head yesterday? Did you tell me, and this is another way in which your life is different from, let's say, Tim's life. Did you tell me that for a long time, one of the doors in your house only had a doorknob on one side? And so, depending on what side of the door you were on, you moved the doorknob from side to side so you could get into and out of the room? Every day. Wait, which door was this? My bathroom door. I had, I've had people trapped in my bathroom several so, times. So when you were in the bathroom, you would have to take the doorknob from the outside and bring it inside with you so you could get back out? <laughs> I would stick the doorknob on the inside. How long was it like that? Until yesterday. But, but I mean, for, for what period of time? A year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> See, Tim, there and you then go. my doorknob, <laughs> sorry, I finally super glued that doorknob back on. I'm like, hot dog, I got me a bathroom doorknob. And then I was opening my door last night, my front door, and then my front doorknob fell off. <laughs> so I'm trying to super glue that back on, and it fell off. You're I'm classic. Like, All right. So now I'm going to have to start doing that with my front door, which probably won't work as well. We'll get some calls here in a moment. We don't, have really, we don't have time to have Richie come in and talk about this, but I'll just say it. So apparently Richie is going to be auditioning to go on tour with some... The traveling drag comedy tra- troupe. A traveling drag cabaret comedy troupe. <laughs> and the only reason I know this is, and we won't repeat it, but the only reason I know this is apparently I came into the studio this morning moments after Richie had come in and laid one of his alleged jokes on Tim and Sarah. Like, this is a joke I'll be auditioning with. And I guess it was some vile piece of... offensive. Some vile piece of awful comedy. So... But apparently Richie's going to be auditioning for that. Um, so we'll talk to him about that later on. Yeah, let's oh, not have him audition on area there. Like, you don't no. even know what's coming out of his mouth. We've got a, a cool announcement for Talktober uh, that we will get to in a few. Let's Before we do anything else, let's do these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. This just in. Area man calls radio talk show to himself on radio. I'm Doyle Redman with the Onion News. Hello, sir. Good day. <laughs> all right, that was pretty great. That's a good first call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, this show is going to be great because I, I just came from the dentist and got some good stuff. Feels like I got a golf ball in my mouth. Are you sure you don't have a golf ball in your mouth? I mean, have you checked? Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, thank There's you. There's blood and pus. I could just 
right. No, no, no that was no. funny, and then the funny, and then it became not funny. All right, thank you, sir. All right, there. Uh, enjoy the show and the pots. Oh, I went to the dentist yesterday. I completely forgot to tell that story. I went to the dentist, um, and it, it actually wasn't quite as severe. This was the first. But can I tell you, I have five dental appointments over the next four weeks. Uh, there is actually a week coming up, I think two weeks from now, I have back-to-back -back dental appointments. I have a deep cleaning on one day and a filling the next day. So I'm going to be all kinds of fun. Uh, and I, but the dentist place, was, and the dental place was actually really, they were great, and I'm not going to, I, I won't identify it. Um, you got to tell me, though, because... I will tell I you. I'll tell you off the air. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to mention the business by name. But I went to a dental place that, this is the second time I've gone there, and you know what? They were really, really great, and there is nothing better than when you feel good about the dentist. Because then you can lay back and you're like, all right, this is going to be fine. I'm not going to... And so they were giving me the deep cleaning yesterday, you know, and they gave me that lecture about, well, okay, now... And don't you know this, when the dentist... When the dentist gives you the lecture about, and do you floss? And I just... I quit lying. Because I used to lie. Because you don't want to look like a jackass. You go, sometimes. But I don't even lie anymore. Dentist, do you floss? I go, no. I don't floss. I should. I don't. And they give you that sort of lecture, okay, well, you know, it would be great if you could floss a little bit, and that does, that'll help you a lot with, you know, your gums. And, but you know that in there, you, as, even as they're telling you, they know you're not going to do it. The dentist's like, you know, you bastard, you're not going to floss. Who are we kidding? I always want to ask the, the person asking me about that if they floss. I think the dental well, hygienist. Over really well. Ask the person with the drill. I think the hygienist would have to cop to whether they floss or not. Uh, but, you know, but the dental hygienist, is, and I did... She was really great, and we were having these like, kind of low-key conversation between sort of as she was like, whatever, getting different instruments or something. But they were doing the cleaning, and they do that thing. I mean, not to be gross, but you know they do that thing where like as they're spraying your mouth out with a little water or whatever, and then they have that little tube they put in your mouth, and they go, okay, and close your mouth, and you know, where you spit or whatever, and it like takes all the excess water out of your mouth. And I, I just asked her at one point, she's like, okay, close your mouth and spit or whatever, and I, you know, I go, and it takes all the water out of my mouth. And then I just said, do you find your job really gross? Because I wondered, and she said, no, it's actually really fine. I got used to the spit a long time ago, which is a thing I've always wondered. Um, but anyway, I, I will say this, and again, I won't identify the business, but the dental place that I went to is great because as you walk in, Lara described it as being very corporate. It's a very, uh, it's wrong to describe it as like an assembly line, but it is very corporate. And the dental office that I went to, it is, how do I put this? It's basically like, not cubicles, but it is a long hallway of just little sort of alcoves. In other words, imagine if you're walking down a hallway that is just lined with offices, but there are no doors. So it's a hallway, and there's like six offices on each side of the hallway, but there are no office doors. And so you can, as you're walking down to your, you know, little alcove, you can just see people getting dental work as you walk down the hallway. And at first you think it's kind of weird. You know, you're walking like, you're like, well, that's kind of weird. You can just sort of watch everybody getting their dental work done. But then you realize, here's what's so great about that. As you're walking down to find your own little alcove to sit into the chair, you realize that the great thing about the setup, you know, where again, it's just like offices with no doors, is you realize they must know what they're doing, and it must truly be sort of a, uh, you know, a, a very sort of painless procedure. Because if some guy screams, everybody's going to hear it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if some guy's like, oh, God, oh, you're savages! Like, every, every single person there will hear it. There will be no hiding that. If they just start taking pliers to some guy's face, every single person who's getting worked on will know that it's happening. So they have every motivation. They have every incentive to treat you very kindly. 
And so I feel good about the place. I, really I, I have a good dentist, too. It's a nice lady. Yeah. She's been doing this for quite some time. Yeah, so I'm going to, uh, so I got like five visits. So that's going to be, and then it's going to be done, done, and freaking done. We'll get one more call. I think we'll probably just have to go right to Lisa here in a few because we're sort of running overtime. Uh, Tim, did you give me this South Park story? I did. I found it this morning. This is from the Los Angeles Times. Now, you know, we were talking about South Park um, yesterday and about their season premiere, which aired Wednesday night, which was disturbing, to say the least, in which Cartman and Butters were trying to stop the Chinese from invading. And they were doing so through just the most horrible, offensive racial stereotypes, which, believe it or not, was not the most troubling part of the episode. The most troubling part of the episode was the four, count it, four times in which Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were raping Indiana Jones. And I don't mean figuratively. I mean, you know, rapingly doing it. Like, pants down. Like, hold him down while I take off his pants. Oh, God. Squeal like a pig, Indiana. So, right here. And, you know, it's hard to believe that they could, because they've just raised the bar over and over for themselves. In front of the Drudge Report today, right here from the Los Angeles Times. Has South Park finally gone too far? too far? Exactly, and they have this whole article about how, how about they think that it may uh, they think that it may have finally crossed some horrible line, and apparently Lucas and Spielberg had no idea the episode was being made because Paramount, who makes South Park, they also release all of the Indiana Jones films, and so Paramount, I mean Steven Spielberg works for Paramount. I mean that's who all of his films go through. Um, you know, and that's who made Indiana Jones, and that's who makes South Park. And so, I guess Spielberg and Lucas had no idea it was coming. The best part about the article, though, and you can read it at uh, LATimes.com, is right here at the bottom, they have one of those polls where the readers vote. And it said, this is the part that Tim circled. There's a poll. Did South Park go too far? Answer number one. Yes. Even if you hated Crystal Skull, rape is never funny. Question number two. No, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull was a cynical appeal to nostalgia. Spielberg and Lucas deserved the attack. Spielberg and Lucas deserved to be made out as rapists. Guess what the results are? Yes, 82.5% of the people, 82.5% of the people feel that the whole ra- the raping sequence was justified. So, so to the question, rape is never funny, only 17% of people agree with that statement. So... I guess what we can, the inference here, I guess that we can, we can draw the conclusion that, at least as far as the New York Times readership goes, actually 82% of people feel that rape can occasionally be funny. From the readership of the Los Angeles Times. One more call about corn, then we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. It's already a weird day. It's going to be a fantastic day, but I can sense there's weirdness out there. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. There's weirdness, but it sounds like a good show. I called about the Somalis, but you're right. My kid's dentist office is like that, too, and it's kind of creepy. You're, you're what? My kid's dentist office is set up like yours. Where it's just uh, offices without doors. Yeah, like little alcoves. Yeah. Like you, say, you see people milling around getting their business done, and you can hear the whelps of the little children down the hall. Yeah. It doesn't install a lot of confidence, but hey. Well, I have to say, because you can. the one thing is, as I'm sitting there just getting a cleaning, I can hear this <laughs> drill firing up, you know, a couple alcoves down. But again... At no point did I hear her like, oh, you're tormenting me. Like, I didn't hear, there was no marathon man sound happening anywhere, which is great, because if they were just to start the, you know, taking like big wax out of a guy's face, you would certainly hear it. You might have something to that. Yeah. Uh, what kind of tamales was, or was Sarah eating? I didn't hear the beginning. Uh, what it's kind a, of tamales? It's an organic bean and cheese tamale meal. And so the question is, may you eat the husk? Well, there might be some confusion. My dad eats them out of a can. 
And when they prepare them, they actually wrap them in a really a piece of paper you know, around the hut. They make tamales in a can? Oh, yeah. It's like Chef Boyardee. It's the worst. All right, then. But he loves them. But uh, I thought maybe that's what you were confusing the paper with the husk. Yeah. No, these are actual corn husks. Yeah, you can choke down the corn husks. It's kind of like orange peel. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. All right, there you go. You know Chef Boyardee's a real person? Mm-hmm. It's true. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from the hill, also a real person, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hey, guys. How are you today? Where are you? Good. Uh, I, you know, I am just outside the CNN Washington Bureau uh, today. Is there something the happening? Are you on, on location for something? No, no. There's a, some meeting I have to go to. That's about it. But I can add to the weirdness of today and say that... Uh, uh, Jason's grandmother used to smoke corn husks when she was a small girl. Is that true? Yes. I mean, I guess it is true, because otherwise you wouldn't have said it. <laughs> when you say a small girl, you mean like 10? Yeah, I think so. I think about when she was 10, she said she, uh, she would sneak into her, I guess, her dad's basement, and uh, I guess they couldn't get cigarettes or something, but they uh, they had corn husks, so Wait. they would uh, smoke corn husks. Okay, so is this because they thought that it had some sort of, uh, I don't know, drug-like property, or just... Or is it like a thing, like you wanted to look grown up, but you couldn't get an actual cigarette, and yeah. so you just smoke whatever was around? My impression is that's what it was, right, that she, right. That she really didn't know what she was doing. And, uh, you know, it was that time. She's 83 now, so you figure that was, uh, you know, 1930s. This is like that sequence in Nixon uh, where, what's her name, Mary Steenburgen catches Richard Nixon smoking a corn silk cigarette. Um, so, you know, we can do, I think we have done this in the past at one point. I think we did a whole high-concept segment some a couple years ago about things that people thought would get them high or things that like non-drug substances that people used or ingested or smoked or huffed or whatever thinking that it would get them high because you know it's always that thing you hear in high school i knew a guy who actually used to scrape off the dried out toothpaste like from around the tube or on the counter and then he would roll it up and smoke it because somebody told him it would get him high you know that's what i'm saying uh, my brother wayne at one point dried out and scraped off and smoked the inside of a banana peel because somebody told him it would get him high uh, you know, this country is filled with people who are deeply stupid. I mean, there's just no getting around that. No offense to Jason's grandmother. I'm just yeah. saying that was a simpler time, I'm sure. But Right, right. So you, you figure that anything that's good to smoke, we've, we've found it at this point. Well, I mean, look, how, look, I'm not saying that anybody should break the law, but, I mean, really, if you want to get high, how hard could it be to find real drugs? Just... I mean, you like... In, Especially in, on the West Coast. I mean, I was going to say, in my neighborhood, your neighborhood, probably, I mean... Look, Rick Emerson does not condone breaking the law or treating your body like anything else than the temple of Jesus. But if you really decide you're going to get high, don't be a tool and decide to smoke dried out peanut butter. Just go buy some real drugs. <laughs> All right. Um, so here's a funny phrase. Okay. President Bush will try again to inject confidence into the world economy by making remarks at the White House. Because really, there's nothing at this point that injects more confidence into anything than hearing that uh, George Bush is on the case. So... <laughs> I mean, that's just a fact, right? I mean, I don't mean to sound partisan, but, I mean, he's got an approval rating of, like, one. What, who is possibly yeah, going to go, no, 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 George Bush is going to take care of everything? It didn't work out, you know, because he's done this five times before, mm. just in the last three weeks, come out and spoken on the economy. And the last five times, it didn't really help. This time, he spoke for seven minutes this morning, and in the course of that seven minutes, the Dow started out 50 points down. Seven minutes later, when the president finished, it was uh, go- headed toward 300 points down just in seven minutes. And the only thing that I know of that changed during those seven minutes was the president spoke. I, uh, all right. I was, you know, uh, never mind. There's, there's so many thoughts fighting for space in right. my head right now. Um, I guess, to be fair to the president, I guess I should say that 
it, it feels like Wall Street was looking for some kind of new announcement, you know, more money, right. uh, especially a big, uh, big bank bailout, which is what the G7 ministers are going to be talking about this afternoon. And, and the president didn't announce anything new, so that's, that's probably why the markets and, and the markets are so jittery. They'll, they'll fall for no reason so, right now. So explain to me, if you can, and I know this is a big, a big task, if you can briefly explain to me the story that came out today where the, the, the world leaders are talking about I, they're talking about some weird, like, suspending the financial dealings of, like, everything until they figure out some new way to handle stuff. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Well, they're talking, yeah, we don't know what it means is the truth. They're looking at a lot of different ideas. They have already brought down interest rates around the world. That hasn't done it. Uh, there's already been a large number of loans to the financial markets. That didn't do it. So now uh, world leaders are going to meet here in Washington starting in just a couple of hours, financial leaders, to talk about whether they can change rules for how these markets work, even if temporarily, uh, to try and kind of keep everything, uh, tighten up everything, make things a little stronger, uh, and, and allow more credit to start flowing. It's not clear exactly what they're going to do. One of the big things they're talking about is uh, infusing, again, you'll hear that word a lot, infusing, uh, a huge amount of cash into the banking system with governments, and in fact, some governments in Europe have already done this, buying out pieces of large banks. You know, and everyone probably is thinking, wait, didn't didn't we already do that? Right, right. Well, it's almost like the way this went was, you know, everyone says, oh, it's the housing market, the housing market, and that was the first thing that got bailed out, the mortgage companies, and uh, basically that was a loan. So mortgage companies got bailed out. But that wasn't enough. So then everyone said, oh, the, the financial companies that invested in those mortgage companies, now they're tanking. We, we have, now they're in trouble. We've got to save them. So that's what we've been talking about with that $700 billion, mainly the financial companies, the investment firms. But, you know, the heart of the economy, kind of if you follow the progression of the cancer here, the heart of the, of the economy is the banking system. That's where all of our money is, literally. And now what the world is that, what world leaders are saying is, it's moved past the mortgage companies, past financial investment firms. Now we're worried about the actual banks themselves, and that's what we're talking about buying out. So it's almost like it's been a three-tiered uh, problem, and now we're kind of at the, that very last critical tier. And, you know, some people say they're getting ahead of the problem now. Nobody knows, but that's what these leaders are meeting to try and discuss. How do we make sure that the banking system uh, doesn't fail, and how do, we, how do we try and make people more confident and how do we get George Bush to stop giving speeches? Yeah, exactly. If I can uh, sort of related to this, if you, if you have a second, I want to I ask you something. And I, I sort of toyed with, I toyed with asking you this the other day, and then I just, I don't know, there wasn't enough, we had already talked about a bunch of stuff, there weren't really enough time. This is sort of a, a quasi-related question, because we have this final debate coming okay. up next week. And... I will preface this by saying that, as you know, uh, I was watching the, well, I was watching the, the, the McCain-Obama debate. Uh, was that this week, Tuesday? And yeah, it already right, just seems like, seems like forever ago. Yeah, how about that? And I will preface it by saying that, you know, I asked this question of my wife, and look, I, I know that sort of everything they say on television in a debate is for political purposes. If not a flat-out lie, it is some, something that at least has been, they have focus-grouped it, and before they say anything, you know, they have they've run it through whether this is politically advantageous for them. So everything they say on television is for the purposes of getting votes. I, I do understand that. But in some sort of fictitious, like some fairyland where everything they say is true, I have a, I have a real dumb question. Here's okay. a silly question from me to you as an observer of the political process. Because okay. I think if you look at all of these debates, I don't think that I have ever heard McCain 
or Obama ever, ever, ever use the words poor or poverty. And so let me be. And so here's what I'm going to ask. Not that not that the middle class doesn't get sort of bent over in this country because they really do. I mean, a lot of ways. Um, but they keep talking about rescuing the middle class, helping the middle class. You know, you know, coming to the aid of the middle class. Why is no one saying, well, look, why don't we come to the aid of the poor? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm not trying to say the middle class doesn't sort of get the short end of the stick sometimes. They really do. But if you've got three houses, you know, one isn't on fire, one's a little bit on fire, and the other one is completely ablaze, why would you right. not be working on the house that's completely ablaze? It seems weird right. to me that they are not saying, well, first, before we help the middle class, why don't we come to the aid of people who are actually in poverty? Yeah, you know, Barack Obama has in the past, especially during the primaries, talked about the poor. You're right, he never talked about it nearly as much as, say, John Edwards, who, who really, right. poverty is his main issue. And and he got a lot of attention, and I think he got a lot of support because of his stance on that. But I think that, um, I, you know, I wish I didn't have a political answer for you. I think that the reason you don't hear about that is the Democrats, who are the ones that pay more attention to the poor, honestly, um, don't want to be seen as too liberal. They don't want to be see as, seen as giving handouts. Barack Obama, when you look at his tax plan, um, percentage-wise, it, it most certainly helps low-income people more than it helps the middle class even. Like, it is skewed, right. certainly, toward low incomes. But, but he doesn't talk about that because he thinks that, uh, you know, the votes are in the middle class, and he doesn't want to be seen as a, you know, a, a liberal handout guy. So... I, I think a lot of that, honestly, is political. You know, John John McCain will say, "Hey, I'm going to give um, a tax cut to everyone," uh, but but his tax cut does, in fact, per, percentage-wise, help the wealthy more. Uh, but, but but you know, there is a political theory, there is a genuine philosophy there that um, if you help the wealthy, are the ones who keep the economy going, and if you give them more incentives, then it'll, it's it's the whole trickle-down theory. Which, of course, many people, which including doesn't, John Edwards, would say has not worked which in the last eight years. And see, that was my wife's answer. My wife said, well, maybe, maybe by helping, and don't, I mean, I, I will say that the, my wife and I fall into the middle class. Uh, my wife said, well, maybe if you help the middle class, it then trickles down and helps the poor, which, of course, doesn't make any sense, because by that rationale, you just give rich people more money, because then it'll help me, which I think is yeah. also a big load. So well, that's how it's happened. And then, but then neither, neither do you, you know, it seems the welfare system of the 80s, that didn't really work to get a lot of people out of poverty either. So part of it also is I don't think we've figured out how to really deal with poverty yet as a country. How, how do you really get people um, kind of independently uh, in, a, in a better place right. on their own where they can provide for themselves and their families and not depending on the government but in a better place? Because obviously there's a – I mean, in Washington, D.C., it's amazing these guys aren't talking about D.C., there are there is so much poverty here, and it's I know so many people at my church who who are are on food stamps who right. do not want to be on food stamps, and, and you know they they're trying to to get off, but it it's a, it is a cycle. It's tough. All right. Uh, well, on that note, uh, have I already asked you your favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, I don't know if you have. It's I'd say it's a mixture of of corn pops and raisin bran. I was gonna say, what is your favorite regular breakfast cereal? Then what is your favorite sugared indulgence breakfast cereal? And so you would say sugar pops. Did you say yeah, corn would, pops or sugar pops? No, corn, corn pops. Do you remember when they actually made something called sugar pops? That's kind of a bygone yeah, era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think you could actually sell something to children now in which fully half of the product's name was sugar. Wait, uh, and there we go with the honesty problem again. Gee, it really is sugar pops. It really is. All but right. they're not going to call it that. Uh, all right. Uh, enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Big plans? Uh, 
Um, you know, I may be working because of all of these ministers. I may have some Barack Obama, some rallies. I'm not really sure. Who knows? All right. Well, whenever you remember the, the Red Sox. If you become tense at any point, the answer is to smoke more corn husk. Okay. Perfect. Right. Thank you, Lisa. Have a great weekend. All right. There you go. That's uh, Lisa Desjardins. Excellent. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. Um, I heard you complaining about the uh, hygienist and the dental floss question and the embarrassment with that. And I, I, I've had the same thing. When I used to go to the dentist, my little apron was so covered with blood on the front, it looked like Mary Thanks. Queen of Scots or something. Okay, that, you pulled it out with that reference. Well done. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but what my dentist suggested, and I've done this, and since then, my when I go in now, they're like, oh, you're flossing great. It's, you get a box of toothpicks, mm -hmm. put it in your car. When you're driving around, you take a toothpick and you work it between each tooth back and forth, along the outside, along the inside. You do that for two weeks, you'll have gums of steel. Gums of steel. Gums of steel, the Rick Emerson story. Gums of steel sounds like a competitive eating movie starring Will Ferrell. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Gums of steel. I don't know that I want gums of steel. I think everyone wants gums of steel. Maybe. Then they just send me after James Bond. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From New York City, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastamem. Hello, sir. I would be envious of somebody with gums of steel. I guess. I mean, I'd rather have teeth of steel. I mean, all things being equal. I mean, if they gave me the option of having some sort of part, any part of my oral makeup being made out of steel, I think I'd go for. Uh, I think I'd go for teeth or maybe a tongue. Tongue of steel. I could do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking though about all those painful gum ailments that you could potentially get as, as you go on in life. Then, because then you don't have gingivitis so much as you just have, like, full-on oxidization of your, uh, of your gums. Yeah, the, your gums just start withering away. <laughs> That's a terrible phrase. I don't want to hear the phrase gums withering away. I, gums really are the weak link in the human mouth makeup. You know they what I really mean? They really are. I mean, if, if you've got weak gums, your teeth fall out. Yes, that's true. And I mean, and you, you know, you hear about all those like, do you ever do this? Uh, and, and not to not to be soapboxing. Although, according to some radio consultant from somebody, I am Rick Emerson. Apparently, is one of Portland's premier soapboxers. Uh, so, uh, but without doing that, let me just say this: here's a little sad commentary on America and this fading republic in which we live. So, I was at the dentist. Uh, what is that? It was yesterday, I guess. So I was at the dentist yesterday, and I'm sitting back in the chair, and she's, you know, she's, she's giving me the, you know, like, so, da-da-da-da, do you brush, and how often, whatever. And she says, so uh, so when was the last time you really had, like, a good cleaning, you know, or got, had, a, you know, like a good real once-over of your mouth? And I didn't even get three words into the sentence. Uh, she asked me about the last time I, you know, kind of got my whole mouth sort of done, and I said, well, it's been a long time, and she said, "Since you had health insurance, right? Got it. Okay, great." And it was like I didn't even—I didn't even have to finish. I wasn't even a third of the way to the answer, and she already knew what I was going to say. So that—that sort of is America in a nutshell, right there. Um, but but you ever do this? Like especially if you go through a period in your life where you don't have health insurance or you don't have dental coverage, where you begin to think that you have the worst. Do you ever do this? You have the worst. You think you have the worst dental condition. Do you ever start to imagine that your teeth are getting loose? Have you ever done that? You had a tooth that somehow you thought it was loose when it wasn't. I can't say that I. I don't know. I may have to go back many years. I, I really don't know. Uh, that's. It's possible that I may have felt that in my twenties. Yeah. That happens to me all the time. Even now, uh, I'll be chewing something and I'll be convinced that one of my molars is just going back and forth for some reason. Yeah, it's no good. Your molar, wow, that's a well-anchored tooth. Yeah, hey, and also this. Do you, do you know what it means when they say you have an impacted wisdom tooth? Uh, I, I 
isn't that when it's like growing into uh, the neighboring tooth instead of straight up or something like that, or it's still below the gum line? Or I something? thought it was the case too when your teeth were binding up against each other. It's a terrible name. It's completely misleading. What an impacted wisdom tooth is, as I found out yesterday, is just a wisdom tooth that hadn't come in. It's just sitting there, kind of lurking below the surface, just doing nothing. Um, and then they use they have the worst phrase for for a wisdom tooth that is fully grown in. It's the most horrifying phrase, something you never want to hear applied to your mouth. When your wisdom teeth are fully grown in, that is, wait for it, an erupted wisdom tooth, which is awful. That sounds like something you that I pictured just like lava flowing out of the middle of my uh, middle of my gum line or something. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Anyway, um, so is this going to be one of those days where I, I ask you about the Dow and then as the call goes on, you're like, it's down by 10, 20, 50, 1,000. Pretty, pretty much. I mean, today the opening bell rang, and within a, just a few minutes, the Dow was down about 700 points. And then it turned around. It rebounded. And you heard this on the stock exchange floor. And it wasn't because they had special uh, female entertainment or anything like that. No, the Dow actually was in positive territory for a little while today. But then uh, as we got ready for President Bush to speak about the economy and to instill confidence in the markets, the Dow started going back down into negative territory. When President Bush was done with his speech, it was really down into negative territory. And now the Dow is down 486 points. And so from a year ago yesterday, the Dow is down 39.4%. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, that's just, I can't even wrap my brain around it. It's uh. really crazy, but, you know, when a guy like Warren Buffett says, this is great. And he starts investing money uh, in companies like GE. You have to think, okay, I got to follow the guy's lead. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, I was uh, uh, well, never mind. I shouldn't say this. I was gonna, I was gonna tell an anecdotal story about a, about a uh, about a friend of mine uh, who had some downturns. But I, I, I have it. on second thought, I, I will say this instead. Don't you think there ought to be some sort of really luxurious eatery in Vegas called a Warren Buffet? <laughs> I think Warren Buffett should go on tour with Jimmy Buffett. Be like sort of amusement and financial advice all in one night. Yeah, in the same right. night, yeah. We've got a station here that would probably sponsor that. Mar margaritas, sipping margaritas while getting financial advice. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, all right, well... Um, By the way, doesn't the stock exchange sound like a, a mega strip club when the guys are happy? Listen to this. <laughs> it sounds like the USO uh, show, like the minute Betty Grable has stepped off the plane. That's what it sounds yeah. like. Really, that's exactly what it is. It's like as Raquel Welsh and Bob Hope are, are coming down from a helicopter. <laughs> and I mean, how, how sad that it's like, you know, that's just because it edged into positive territory for a moment. And just for a moment. I mean, yeah. that really does. That sums the whole thing up. So, yeah. all right. Well, all right. Um, all right thank you. Have a better day Monday. Hopefully. Enjoy your weekend, sir. Take care. All right. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen, New York City. All right. Hey, did, so yesterday, Richie brought us all little bottles of uh, personal lubricant. Yeah, I gave mine to Byron. Really? Did uh, did Richie uh, bring you guys uh, big uh, sexual stimulant capsules? No. Apparently just me. Richie and I have got a special relationship, apparently. Okay. Right there. Uh, 
Take a break. Come back after this. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Around the corner, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Scott Daly, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Speaking for 60 seconds, Geek Watch, Britney Watch, Clergy Watch, and a special Talktober announcement when we return. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I don't know anything about wine. I'm the, like, I am the inverse of, uh, like, what's his name? Like that sideways guy. That guy? Who's that actor? I forget his name. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I'm the inverse of that guy. Anyway. We were talking about, uh, so yeah, it was, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, Laura and I were going to some party. It was like, you know, we wanted to bring a bottle of red wine. So I go to the whatever to buy the wine, and I immediately just buy the stuff that has Francis Ford Coppola's name on it. I mean, apparently it's really good, but that wasn't when I bought it. Just walking through, and because I know so little about wine, I mean, just nothing. I have inverse wine knowledge. So my whole thing is I will just find something that is more than $20 and has a cool label. That's it. Because I figure if it's more than $20, it just it can't be bad. And so then I'll just go over and say, what is this? Ravenswood. It's got a cool raven on the front. Yeah. And so I'll just put that in the cart. But this, walking along, and it just says, Coppola Vineyards. I'm like, done, sold, bam, in the, uh, in the cart. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The first signs of winter are visible in mountain passes around Oregon. Odon asking you to be prepared for snow and slick conditions over the weekend. Several accidents already closed down Highway 20 at Santa Yem Pass. There are also a number of accidents along Highway 97 in the Ben Redmond area. Overnight snow brought icy conditions to Mount Hood Highway at Government Camp this morning. Snow is reported in the Eastern Oregon Passes of I-84 between LaGrande and Pendleton. Interstate 5 and the Siskiyou Pass along Highway 58 and Highway 140. Oda recommends you check ahead for road conditions. It was cold where I was this morning. It was cold where I was, too. I could see my breath yes. as I was walking the dog. Portland Water Bureau emphatically denies that any city-maintained pipes or systems caused that house to fall off the hill at 6438 South Burlingame Place and to slide onto Tewilliker Boulevard. Because the slide moved in such a specific and linear fashion, PSU head uh, geologist Scott Burns says, it's a man-caused landslide, not a woman-caused landslide. Burns said the slide could have been the consequences of a leaking water main, sewer pipe, or a breach in the two-year-old sprinkler system oversaturating the soil. That's kind of scary. Or the fact that you built your house on the side of a hill and that there's this thing called gravity. That, too. I mean, really, eventually, look, I'm not trying to be fear-mongery, but I think drawn out on a long enough timeline, won't everything that's built on a hill eventually fall over? I mean, that's just a given, right? I mean, the gravity, look, here's the thing, is that gravity is constantly trying to pull things down as, as far as, it, you know, as low as it can, and if you're on a hill and everything's all slanting underneath there, eventually the house is going to fall off. That's just a fact. So did you hear about this uh, burglar? Burglar? The burglar in southeast. Wait, hold it. Burglar? I barely knew her. Where? Where in southeast? Southeast Portland. Right next to your house, Sarah. Uh, in your shrubs. So the burglar who broke into a southeast Portland home apologized to his victims by sending a text message. Corey and Kelly Smith say the burglar broke in through a kitchen window, stole a wallet, cell phone, laptop filled with photos of her two-year-old son... Two years of my son's life gone. All these photos, all these memories. 
The Smiths tried to call the stolen cell phone, but they received no answer. So they sent a text message asking for the family photos to be returned. Uh, Twenty minutes later, the burglar responded. He wrote, I'm sorry. I didn't realize until it was too late. I'll see what I can do. Signed, the burglar. The laptop and the photos have not yet been returned. I don't know what to think, says Corey Smith. In a way, you want to get mad at him, but you have to ask for forgiveness in a text message. Hours after the break-in, the stolen credit cards were used at a local Walmart, and a man suspected of the crime was caught on camera. This fellow is a white burglar in his 20s, medium build, shaved head. And still, no baby pictures returned. Speaking of pictures and text messages, um, so may, may I reveal the email you sent to me last night, Tim? Oh, sure. Are you sure? Sure. Okay. So... If you go to uh, rickemerson.com, and I think it is still the most recent uh, blog posting. If you go to rickemerson.com, let me look here. I don't think I've added anything. Yeah. Um, there are two pictures of uh, K2 newsman Carl Click there. And so, because Carl was on the show uh, Wednesday to do his top five, and I was saying that I couldn't picture him as a teenager, because you just picture him as a little tiny version of himself, right? I'm like, I can't picture you as, a, as, a, as an adolescent in any way. And he's like, no, Rick, I assure you, I can't do Carl Click's. I, I, was, I will send you a photo of me as a teenager. So he sends me... And this is the lower photograph. He's, Carl Click sends me a photograph of him at age, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe 16, playing tennis. And he's got the big head of bushy hair. And he's got these stripy socks that are pulled, like, up, like, way over his calf. And he's playing tennis or badminton or something. He's, like, doing the, you know, he's, like, crouching and doing his backhand swing. And then above that is a photo from his high school yearbook. And it's him and, like, five other sad souls from the 70s when no one looks good. The woman right next to him looks like Miss Jane from the Beverly Hillbillies. Is that a woman? It is a woman. By God, you're right. See? Her name is Wendy. What is that about? Wait, is this in your email or on your website? Oh, no, I'm looking for the... I'm looking at the... I'm looking at the high... There's a set of one, two, three, four, five, six pictures from his high school yearbook. Uh -huh. Oh, I was looking at the wrong name. So that is... You're right. That is Wendy. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, in any event... Uh, oh, my God. That's a girl. Yeah. Well, it was the 70s. Uh, so, so Carl Click is on the far left here in this yearbook thing. Um, and so then I post this and I get this email last night from Tim and it's, I mean, it was, you know, it's just the sort of thing you don't expect him to start an email with. The very first thing in this email from Tim is OMG exclamation mark, which is just really not a thing I picture you using to start an email. So thank you for defying expectations. You have more facets yes. than I realized. Well, thank you. Um, so Tim sends me this email, and I don't have it in front of me, but it says, like, OMG exclamation mark. I just looked at Carl Click's photos. And then the best line you've ever written to me in anything, Tim, it says, I will not be outdone in the bushy hair department. <laughs> so what are you, are, so are you endeavoring to find pictures of yourself from the 70s? Yes. My high school yearbook uh, photo has been located. Really? Yes. But what year? I'm not going to say. It's from the 70s. But no, no, no. I, but I mean what year of high school. Senior. I don't mean what, what year. So your senior year photo mm. uh, has the, been from, located. Right. When it was published in the newspaper, it is yellowed. So I will try to find it. it. Hmm? You found it? Uh, my sister has it. So why was it, in the, why was it in the newspaper? Did they do that with all the graduates? Yes. Oh, okay. Like uh, this, this uh, graduation, uh, these photos of graduates sponsored by uh, uh. Louise Plumbing. Okay. So there is a, so your senior high school photograph has been located. Is it going to be uh, scanned and sent our way? It is being sent snail mail. My sister doesn't know how to scan. Now, uh, do you know what it looks like? In other words, she said, hey, I found it. And can you yeah. picture it? Do you know? Do you remember what you were wearing and stuff? Uh-huh. I almost don't want to know anymore. Okay, I'll wait. I, I just don't want it to be a surprise. I almost don't want to know anymore. I'm not dressed casually. Of course not. Why would you? <laughs> that goes without saying, I think. All right. Fantastic.
Right, here's Tim so Riley. That should be coming in the mail shortly. Excellent. And, and I was told some other 70s photos will be included. That's, that's wonderful. All right. Well, two people are dead after dramatic rollover in Tigard. A Camaro, a Speed Demons car, was traveling north on 135th Street at a high speed. Uh, just before Brittany Driver, the, apparently the driver of this car, rolled several times and hit the side of a house, ejecting this driver who landed on the roof of the house. Wow. Two passengers are dead. Wait, hold on. So, I, I hate to get bogged down. Was her name Brittany Driver? It looks like it, unless, this is, unless it's Brittany Drive. But it says Brittany Driver in this article. It's probably. Anyway, so the, the Camaro, how did it even hit the side of a house? Oh, Camaro's a speed demon's car. Yeah, but I mean, in Tiger, you, that would take some doing because it's not like they're right on the street like they are in the, you know, like. Well, uh, uh, apparently, uh, there are a lot of speeders on this road and there have been drunk drivers there before. Now, do we know that this person was no, speeding? We well, yes, it says speed has been a factor. All right. Uh, but then one of the, so there were two people in the car. The car rolls, hits the side of a house. Several times. And then one of the victims ends up on the roof? Roof of the house. Jesus, that's like one of those weird... Uh... Was it a convertible, or did they fly through the window? Well, they must have. I mean, couldn't be a convertible. Not this time of year, I can't imagine. But Tim is right. I mean, those cars, And the, those cars. Uh, if you like to speed, that's a car for you. And if you don't speed, the car will make you a speeder in most cases. That's like some weird CSI crap there, the ending up on the roof. That's just weird. Yeah, this thing is, uh, it looks like it's purple. Let's see if I can get it. Is there a photo of the crash um, of, the, of the scene? I just had something on the K2 site, and it takes a while to load here. I mean, just, I'm not a scientist, yeah, it looks, obviously. No, it's a hard top. Wait, let me see. Oh, damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would Oh, no, it is a convertible sedan. Sarah Dillon is right. It's a convertible sedan traveling at high, high rate of speed. Oh, it was on Brittany Drive. Okay, all right. Left the road, flipped over, mm -hmm. and then one of the occupants landed on a roof. Mm hmm Jesus. Well, that lets you know how fast it must have been going. I mean, it bruised us out of the house. Though. Yeah, that's all kinds of unnerving. Oh, no. Did your computer just reboot? It did. Oh, wait, there you go. Oh, wait. Back. Okay. All right. Anyway, well, that's freaky. All right. Well, don't, don't speed, kids. Yeah, especially in the Camaro. Car is not a toy. Mm -mm. I got Samaritans surprised folks in West Lynn by paying their bills at the gas station. Apparently, this fellow came into some inheritance money recently and decided to use it to help others. He didn't give his name, but his name is Dave. He waited for people to drive up to the pumps at the Chevron in West Lynn, and he told them, I've got it. Then he simply asked each person to uh, pay it forward and help somebody else out. In the I hate future. the phrase, pay it forward. Me too, I, and I, I never even heard that before. No, you haven't? Oh, it's that awful movie with Kevin Spacey Remember and Haley Joel dies. Osment where the kid <laughs> dies at the end. He dies. Because the robot killed him. I don't understand, like, why he dies. I still don't really get that movie. I don't understand why I saw the movie, much less why anything in the movie happened. No. So he paid for 30 Phillips with an average of $40 each. A couple ladies uh, burst into tears of joy. <laughs> a couple easily amused ladies. So that ha happened in West Lynn. All right. This, uh, we got an email about it, Rick. This so-called Good Samaritan treating people to free gas in West Lynn, says uh, Brian. Uh, what is so good about treating people to free gas in a neighborhood where nobody needs your help? He says, if you want to, he says, if you want to be a genuine good Samaritan, go to southeast or northeast and hook some people up there, friend. Uh, he says, I'm sure this guy's all proud of himself. Probably feels like he walks on rose petals. He'll probably get showered with praise in the six o'clock news too. And that's like the app of the politician that keeps playing on cable, saying, uh, she's awake 24/7, guarding against crime in West Lynn. Uh. <laughs> for what reason? Go, Guard go take a nap, get some sleep. Guard not enough crime to stay awake for. Guarding against youths spitting their gum onto the streets, Tim. 
Uh, and then the email just ends with a big profane um, statement about the guy in West Lynn buying gas, encouraging him to commit an unnatural act on himself. Uh, that's from Brian and PDX. I would concur, by the way, that it it seems like maybe going handing out free stuff in a neighborhood where people probably already have their fair share of uh, financial security and possessions doesn't really make you a good Samaritan. That makes maybe you didn't want to get hurt. Makes you a guy who wants to get on the news. Here's Tim Riley. Then there's the 14-year-old boy accused of stealing a woman's wheelchair. He's been charged with theft. It was stolen from a Gresham Volunteers of America store. A 44-year-old woman left the wheelchair in front of the store while she used a cart to get around. Oh, wait a minute here. I smell her. So she got out of the wheelchair to get a shopping cart? Wait. 44-year-old woman left her wheelchair in front of the store while she used a cart to get around. Okay, so it must When you say cart, like one of those cart. rascal things, maybe? I guess so, yeah, maybe All a right, rascal. Okay. So, so she's fine. Uh, two teenagers were seen on a surveillance video, one of whom rolls the wheelchair past the cashier and out the front door. It was a recovered uh, Wednesday night when a man who bought it for a relative in poor health saw news coverage and realized he purchased a stolen wheelchair. Gresham police say 34-year-old Kerry Sitter of Portland needed the wheelchair for a family member. Thought he was getting a good deal when a pair of teenagers offered to sell it to him for $75. Where would you even meet a pair of teenagers who were selling you a wheelchair? That is good. Like, did the, kids just roll, did the kids just roll it around the neighborhood with a for sale sign on it? All right. Kids, you know, I would tell you this, teenagers love wheelchairs for some reason. They're fascinated by wheelchairs. I don't know why. And shopping carts. And shopping cart. Well, you know why? Because you can put your friend in it and then, like, race through a parking lot. And then eject him, you know, onto the pavement. So, yeah. Dudes love wheelchairs. Here's Tim Riley. The once thriving condominium market in Portland has taken a nosedive amid the worldwide financial crisis. Young professionals and empty nesters once powered the downtown condo construction boom. They're missing. Prices are falling. Potential buyers have more trouble securing mortgages for new purchases or selling the old homes to cash out their equity. Portland's condo market remains far better than places such as Miami and Vegas. But Portland condo brokers now publicly acknowledge the first significant downturn since the condo market uh, took off in the late 1900s. Even as uh, 1,400 condos were pulled from the supply for rent as apartments, the downtown market remains flooded. You know what I've seen recently is I've seen... A big building across the street was supposed to be sold as condos. Now it's back apartments. After they threw our friend Bruce out. Oh, that's I didn't know what building you were talking about. Yeah, that's totally true. So uh, down where we are... Uh, we're in First Avenue. There's these buildings down here. And Bruce was there. I was actually, I had lunch with Bruce a while back, our former program director, Bruce Hagler. How is Bruce? I haven't seen him in He's a long fine. time. He's good. Living the high life. Uh, and so we, he and I were having lunch. <laughs> he was complaining about that as Bruce. And then I told us we're going to make the buildings, the, 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 the condos. And so we, we had to move. I don't know how many of the condos at all. I could have stayed there. And he's like throwing his hands up and being like frustrated at the turns his life takes. Um you know where I almost moved? Laura and I almost moved into that that other building across the street, those yellow. And those are still apartments, right? Yeah. So we almost moved there. Uh, but then we just did. But, but, but then again, we almost looked at those apartments where Bruce was living. But we heard the same thing. You're going to make them into condos. Now, not so much. So, um, But I've also seen this, too. Have you, and you probably don't travel through neighborhoods where this sort of thing is visible, Tim. But Laura and I have seen, like, we'll sort of be biking around or whatever. And we'll see just, how do I put this? It, it, just sort of big rat trap apartment complexes complexes that are being made into condos, like like something you know starting at one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, like something you would never pay that much for. It, just these awful, terrible, like beat down looking apartment complexes that just make you feel sad. You ever see an apartment complex? Not unlike seeing a hotel. You'll see these hotels sometimes on the highway, like between here and Kennewick. If you are driving from Portland to Kennewick, first of all, God help you. 
and I have, you know, you have my sympathies. But occasionally, if you were driving from here to Kennewick, you'll see these motels by the side of the highway, and they're just. I mean, they're just sun-bleached and awful and dirty and, you know, the paint is peeling off and the, the roof is covered with rocks for some reason. And, you know, you just see like a guy out front just leaning against a wall smoking a cigarette and like trimming his fingernails with a knife. You know, and you just sort of like, who stays in these motels? And it just gives you this horrible, dark, dust-filled feeling inside. There are apartment buildings that will give you the same sense of gloom and despair and agony on me. And we biked by one the other day. One of these apartment complexes somewhere in Portland. I will not name the neighborhood. But then there's a big thing like, coming soon, you will be able to buy these as condos for $200,000. It was just it was ludicrous. And there's no reason for that at all. There are a ton of those on Hawthorne, like little crappy apartments that you, you know, see bums like sleeping in the... You know, the bushes in front of them, and then you see them, like, put on a slap on a new coat of paint, and they're like, all right, totally. you know, $500,000. Foist them off into a gullible public. Here's Tim Riley. The Kansas man whose girlfriend was physically stuck to a toilet is sitting pretty after winning $20,000 in the Kansas lottery, his second win this year. Corey McGannon of Ness City cashed in his winning $2 bonus crossword ticket at Great Bend. On July 29th, the 37-year-old received six months of probation for pleading no contest of misdemeanor treatment of a dependent adult. He called the Ness County deputies in February to report that his girlfriend, Pam Babcock, had refused to come out of the bathroom for two years. Authorities found her stuck to the toilet. Medical personnel estimated she'd been on the toilet for at least a month and said the seat had, had caused some sores to her body. She was released from a Wichita hospital after seven months of treatment. But... The boyfriend has won $20,000. But he's won the lottery twice this year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And this is the, oh, this is the toilet seat girl? This is the boyfriend, boyfriend. yeah. Girl. No. The son of polka legend Frankie Yankovic is behind bars after a three-hour standoff in Cleveland. 53-year-old Robert Yankovic was arrested last night for giving up to officers outside his home. No relation to weirdo. Yankovic was a suspect in a service station robbery. A clerk took down his license plate. They followed him home. Yankovic played the banjo in his dad's polka band for 14 years. He's been recently in and out of jail on drug and robbery charges. Being the, musicians would be. Being the son of Frankie Yankovic has got to be a little weird. A, because you're no relation to Weird Al and everybody asks you that a thousand. It's like being that Michael Bolton guy. Everybody, a thousand, are you related to Weird Al? No. No, I'm not. And you got to wonder, why would you even keep the last name of Yankovic? Because no one, I mean, especially, you know, the son of... Frankie Yankovic, who really no one cares about. The only Here's the only reason anybody cares about Frankie Yankovic. Is because Frankie Yankovic, which is funny to say, I will grant you that. Frankie Yankovic plays the accordion on the Van Halen album Diver Down. He plays the accordion on the track Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now. That's it. That's the only reason anybody who is under the age of 70 cares about uh, accordion player Frankie Yankovic. There you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. This is Jerry. Hello, hi. And I just uh, I wanted to comment about the smoking cornhouse things. Yes. And back in the day, what they used to do was they used to drive them out and use them to roll cigarettes in. And if you didn't have the papers, because they were sometimes hard to get or you couldn't buy them. So you put your tobacco into a corn husk. Yeah, and you actually roll it as a corn husk cigarette. My grandpa was telling me about them when he first started smoking when he was like, you know, 13. Right, that's interesting. It's strange that you could afford tobacco but not, Well, I guess maybe you could, but it's just a way to save money, right? Like, if you don't have to buy the paper, why buy it then, I guess? Well, and also, paper wasn't always readily available, you know, in certain rural areas. You couldn't, it was harder to get to come by, you know, as a staple of daily life. They didn't truck with no paper. All right. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. All right, thank you, sir. All right, best of right, luck. Thank you, my friend. Um, 
That makes me think about guys who roll their own cigarettes and occasionally a woman. Every every now and again, you'll see a woman like something, a drum, tobacco or whatever. Sarah, what is your read on a guy who rolls his own cigarettes? Yeah. You find that know, to really... be a douchebag thing or not? I don't no, really I know. No, it all just depends on why they do it, I guess. If they're trying to save money or something. I don't, I don't know. I've never... I've... Don't really know any men who do that. I mean, I've known a couple guys who do that. They have been like girls the... who do it. But... Really? Yeah. So I wonder if it is like a financial thing. Tim? My grandfather did, starting in the Depression, did well, all his life. So maybe that's why. I mean, maybe that's... Although, I mean, how much does a thing of tobacco cost? Like, if you're going to roll your own tobacco. I don't know. It was Bugler. It came in a can, and Bugler made their own rolling papers. Hey, here's a question. What is snuff? It's like the little pouches of tobacco that you can... Are you talking about, like, the camel thing? But isn't there, like, something you snort? Isn't there like a little thing? It's like a tobacco thing that you're supposed to snort? No. Or am I thinking of something else? I think you're thinking of drugs. <laughs> am I thinking of cocaine again? <laughs> um, Call someone a couple. Isn't that something their audience would do? I don't know, Tim. I think it, well, snuff is like a little I think pouches. a country music fan might be fond of such things. Probably, or perhaps Timmy Ryan. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. He wouldn't because he's the healthiest man we know. Okay, well, what is that? That's, that's the little pouches that Campbell does. Snuff is... I don't know what snuff Okay, is. well, let's stop for a second. First of all... My grandfather, uh, now he had, my grandfather had something he referred to as snooze, but I think that is a brand name used by Camel, but here's the thing, I think that might be only recently a brand name. I think that might have been a generic term for something way back when. No, snooze is a, is a newer thing, I know, that Camel's marketing, but I'm looking at snuff on the internet, and you're right, it's like nasal snuff, which is inhaled. See, so what is that about? See, I knew I, I knew I wasn't making making this up. We knew you weren't making it up. I wasn't talking about cocaine. Quit looking at me. Uh, so there's, let's stop. There's cigarettes which you smoke. Mm-hmm. There is chewing tobacco, which one puts between one's cheek and gum mm-hmm. to alienate women. Then there is snuff, which is what? It is snuff through the nose. Then there is snooze. Which is now a product, but which is my. But when I was a little kid, my grandfather would say, like, woman, when you go to the store, get me my snooze. And so, what is that? Was that like a generic term for something that they now have kind of made into a brand? I think, so. I think it was a generic term for the pouches of tobacco that you put in your lips. It's like how absinthe is a thing, but now there's that brand, that non. It's not really absinthe, but they trademarked it. Like, there's some company that just makes some crap here in America called absinthe, and it's really just like, whatever. Just Among like, the common flavors are corn, rose, and whiskey. Rose? Yes. Is that for is that for the fairer sex? Is that for the ladies? They're like Rose Kennedy? I don't know. Ugh. Hey, has anybody here known a woman who chewed tobacco? No. I have. Who? Uh, I did in high school. I really? Oh yeah, my my girlfriends and I did because we were petrified. To oh, I thought you meant cigarettes. I thought you meant you you knew women who did. You chewed tobacco in high school? Oh yeah, no, my friends and I because we wanted to smoke cigarettes, but we were so afraid to smell like it, so we would, yeah, chew tobacco. This is fascinating to me. So. This is when we'd, like, raid our parents, you know, liquor cabinets and pour a little bit of every liquor into, like, a water bottle. And then we'd all go to, like, my friend's playhouse and pass it around. You know? How old were you? Eighth grade, ninth grade. Boy, you know, Susan Reynolds hears this and she's just terrified. <laughs> um, so, it, it really... You might eight... think she has that liquor cabinet key hidden pretty well. She doesn't. You know, and it doesn't matter if, you, if they have a key I or not. I got it. Yeah. And I got it every time. So, in eighth grade, you were, like, going to a friend's playhouse... Do you mean like a tree fort or something? Yeah, they had like a playhouse in the backyard. So and you would go be... Well, I mean, it didn't even matter if it was a playhouse. or I mean, regardless, anywhere we'd have a slumber party, that's what that's what would happen. Really? That's mm-hmm. fascinating. So here's the thing about you chewing tobacco that I find intriguing, because if it was as a substitute for cigarette smoking, it just seems weird because it seems like cigarette smoking would be a thing you were doing because it looks cool, because mm-hmm. it does. 
Well, I think we were just curious about like tobacco in general, and it really gave you like a really weird. A rush. I heard it gave you. Does it make your mouth numb? Somebody told me it was your mouth numb. Disgusting, but it makes your mouth numb and it makes you really lightheaded. Is it a pleasurable sensation? Yeah, I think. I I think it's been so long since I've done it. Interesting. So where did you uh like how did you spit without getting caught? Did you have like a cup or something? The yeah, gross the is... big gulp cup or some crap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wouldn't oh. do it around like adults. Oh, that's horrible. But I mean, that's yeah, all of us thing. looked like well-to-do kids. We're all you know in in track and you know getting good grades and stuff. So chewing tobacco. Exactly, just because kids look yeah. like they're good doesn't. I used care. to work ne- next to a guy doing a morning show who used to chew that stuff. He was a former baseball player. Oh, and uh. spit it in a cup. Oh, do you remember Matt Peterson used to chew it all the time? No, I, I think never probably went in that room. Probably still does. I mean, I you know maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But, you know, here's a weird thing, and this is, you know, I didn't go to the school, you know, like five years ago, but it also was in the 50s. I mean, even in the 90s when I was going to high school, they would allow dudes to chew tobacco at school, which is weird now that I think about it. I mean, like, what what was the hell was that about? Richie has just brought in some camel snooze. Is this yours? I'm sorry. You have, oh, that's disgusting. Richie just showed us the tobacco in his Ew, mouth. Is he doing it? All right. Oh. Well, we'll open this up here in a second. Um. But, you know, when I was in high school, I remember being in a consumer ed class, and this guy, Sean, who sat next to me, he would just, it's so gross. I'm so, I'm like, you know, everybody knows what I'm talking about, but he would have the gross cup, like the big gulp cup. And like, and he yeah. allowed to do that? In high school. So, I don't know if that was just like a, they turned the blind eye or something. I think it was a Kennewick thing. Maybe. Well, we were hicks. I mean, they'll get around that, but I mean, maybe that might have been the last window of time where you could do that. And I think he was 18, which is maybe why they let him do it. But now, you, you'd never do that, obviously, now, but uh, he was 18, so I think maybe that why, you know, and I think that whoever the teacher might have just been like, well, whatever, go ahead. Um, but, yeah, that's weird. But, yeah, I knew a girl who did it, and she was just just exactly the kind of girl you would you'd picture doing that. I mean, just sort of like, just just a, just a wall of a girl. Um, anyway, so, yeah, okay, so Richie has brought in this can of Camel Snooze, which, again, is a, I believe now, a brand name. Not to be confused with whatever my grandfather was calling snooze back in, this would have been the late 70s. Snooze, pop it under your upper lip, wait a few minutes for a tingle, enjoy for up to 30 minutes. No spitting required. Yeah, you're supposed to swallow it. Oh, oh. I said they, they marketed it as something that you could, like a smoker could use on a plane. That is so gross. It's disgusting. I don't, I look, I don't I'm mean it. i sitting right next to somebody doing it. I just know it. Oh, I don't think I could ever bring myself to, uh, that's not a thing I can do. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, uh, snooze, you're right. It used to be a generic term, like a uh, woman go get me a Frigidaire. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. But now they they kind of did the opposite. They went and made it a, a brand name. Snuff is actually very finely pulverized tobacco that you see like uh, like movies of the old, uh, like colonial times. You right. You see guys sniffing their handkerchief thing. I've seen them doing that in Blackadder, which is in, which is in sort of Elizabethan times, yes. Dude, I, you just mentioned Blackadder. I just, me and a buddy just got it off eBay the whole uh, five seasons. Oh, Blackadder's fantastic. One of the best oh, shows it ever. Is, it is. But, yeah, uh, and I knew a girl that uh, chewed. I was chewing at the time, and uh, we were coming back from the river, and I'm looking around for a beer can to spit in. She says, what are you looking for? I'm like, a beer can? And she says, uh, what for? She called me a wussy. And so did you swallow it to prove her wrong? Uh, no, hell no. Okay, good for you. Maybe somebody else's girlfriend. <laughs> All right. Excellent. All right, Rick. Later. Thank you. All right. And, of course, everybody has a story like this, but when I was in about seventh grade, uh, there was some, I forget his name, some some jackass kid uh, who was, you know, like bringing his chewing tobacco on the school bus, and uh, and you weren't supposed to roll down the windows, and he kept trying to roll down the windows to spit, and the school bus driver wouldn't let him, and finally he just swallowed it. 
Because he didn't have any choice. Uh, he, and then he, man, he, I'll give him this, he held in the vomit until she dropped his off. He got off the bus right into the curb. So, oh, by the way, Richie wants it known that not only did he just hand me a thing of snooze, he worked at the National Tobacco Prevention Center for two years. Richie worked for the Centers for Disease Control for two years, keeping kids off the junk. Well done. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I've got the best slash worst mess story ever. You know, the, um, the guy before me was correct. They used to use it back in colonial times. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about it, some of the cartoons from kids where a guy would have a tin or in his neck or something, he'd take a pinch and snub it. I think uh, there were Bugs Bunny cartoons where Bugs Bunny was sniffing, uh, yeah. or he was snorting, yes, yeah, snooze, yes. Anyway, so, the, you know, the typical uh, huffing uh, rubber cement stoner dude in, in middle school, uh, well, this guy was a buddy of mine. He was like, dude, I heard this snuff will get you high. So we, this is the only time I ever did this. So he goes and steals a bottle of snuff from the store and starts doing out rails in my bedroom. And, and he stayed the night. And we hacked and coughed and had snuff boogers for like two and a half days after that. That's the worst it, thing I've ever heard. And it did nothing. But, well, I was like 12, man. How the hell was I supposed to Oh, no, to I'm just saying the idea of that oh, sort of discharge. It was horrible. I mean, you could feel it running down the back of your throat, <laughs> in, into your sinuses and into your stomach. And, of course, you end up with how we didn't get tobacco poisoning, I have no idea. Excellent. We must have swallowed a half a gallon of that stuff. Well, I just snorted to get high off. Live to tell the tale. Well done, sir. All right, thank you. Yeah, best right. ever. We'll do one more, and then we'll bring a curtain down on this. Please please don't call any more about this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, well, I uh, also have a snuff story. Um, I have some snuff here right now. I uh, enjoy it immensely. Now, is this the pulverized snortable kind? Yes, it is. All right. They, they have, like, uh, several different flavors. you got, like, uh, your peach, your lemon, your wintergreen. Uh, I, I have, like, the old school type right here, which is the sweet and mild. And uh, I think the last guy, his problem was is he just took way too much. Right. You're, you know, everybody was saying that, uh, you know, that uh, everybody didn't did it in colonial times. It was a very gentlemanly thing to do. But you're not supposed just, to do, like, half the bag. No, no, just dainty, just, like, little, you know, pinches of it. He and, didn't sound uh, like a dainty man. Yeah, say what? He didn't sound like a dainty man. No, well, we're talking about, like, 1690 to, like, 1720 right. when it was all the rage. He had more people that snuffed and smoked interesting you know all right yeah so you just put like a so what is it you just put a little like um like a little thing on your of it on your hand and go like like off your hand oh yeah there's some people that uh, do it kind of like on the crotch of their hand kind of like a poke head does it but uh i typically just you know reach into my can and just small little pinch and then snort it up and all right you know okay well you know. water a little bit and it actually feels great all right excellent thank you for the clarification sir thank you much sir all right there you go all right this just in, tobacco feels great. Can I just tell you for a second how much I love my ergonomic keyboard? It is it great? This Are you liking it? the greatest thing ever. All right. My wrists haven't hurt for a second. That weird tingling that I was getting is gone. Now, do you find it uh, easy to type? Well, yeah, because you're it's a typist. It's totally easy to type. Yeah, it's like because my hands are usually like this. And and you can type without looking. You can do the full accurate typing without your eyes on the... Uh, see, I can't do that. I've got to be like watching the keyboard all the time as my fingers go. All right. Uh, we come back. More news from Tim Riley. Still to come. Geek Watch. Uh, Britney Watch, Clergy Watch, later on, Dorothy Crescissari from the National Enquirer, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio, uh, 60 Seconds of Speaking, and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere.
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, let's see. Russ says, let's see, the subject line is Indy, no. This is why I made the mistake of watching the South Park video. It's like the other guy. He says, I literally put my hand over my mouth in horror and shock. P.S. I made the mistake of watching it at work at the fire station. South Park is now officially banned from Fire District 3. Uh, anyway, it says, I love the show. We all listen to it at Fire District 3, Russ. All right. Well, there you go. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, I'll watch that. It's uh, You don't want that in your head. All right. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, it's time to go meet Joe Sixpack. There are plenty of them at the McCain rallies. Speaking at a campaign event in Wisconsin for Republican presidential nominee John McCain, an angry supporter says he's mad because socialists are taking over the country. The man identified Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi as those socialists. It's time that you two are representing us, and we are mad. So go get him. Sounds like John McCain with more spunk. Yeah. I don't know whether to be uh, just irritated or deeply unnerved or quite possibly both. Who is he talking to there? He's talking, John McCain. He's talking to John McCain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he says, it's time for you two to be representing us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's speaking to them about he's a, he's yeah. a strong endorser of their policies and campaign. Mm-hmm. All right. And he's angry about what? Socialists? Socialists have taken over this country. Well, who can disagree with him? That's my time. Uh, McCain rally audience member says... Things are not going well for the good old U.S. of A. I'm mad. I'm really mad. And what's going to surprise you, it's not the economy. It's the socialists taking over our country. (laughs) I'm mad. I'm really mad. And what's going to surprise you, it's not the economy. It's the socialists taking over our country. Okay. The what audience if? member challenges John McCain to finish his thought. If you shut up long enough. Let me finish, please. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. The audience member says people in charge of Congress are socialists. I think it's so important in today's country what we're really missing and what's going on. When you have an Obama, Pelosi, and the rest of the hooligans <laughs> up there going to run this country, we got to have our head examined. Whatever you say. Tell me, Kate. Balance the federal budget by the end of my term in office. Cross this this country. This is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners. Speaking of, you got to have your head examined. Americans are angry, sir. They are angry and frustrated. And that's why we've got to act, and we've got to act together, because all of us are Americans first. Let's run up and balance the federal budget by the end of my term in office. Cross this this country. This is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners. You know, and the more I hear that soundbite, the more I really concur with that person who emailed and said, you know, there's like five billion words in the English language. There's any number he could have said, you know, my fellow kumquats, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, my fellow Lorne Greens, Uh, my fellow Mr. Eds, my fellow table legs. But instead he went right to prisoners, which does make you sort of, uh, that does make you sort of ponder things. Spending must be kept in check. We've got to get out of control spending under control and bring this ten trillion dollar debt under control. Sure, that'll be easy. Especially when you're spending three hundred billion dollars to buy a bad debt at the same time you're having a governmental spending freeze, which makes no sense. 
This spending must end. We'll impose a spending free to stop the spending. Spending free. Spending freeze to stop the spending spree in Washington. Okay. I think it's officially time for John McCain to hire a stunt speaker. I would like to volunteer my services right now to the McCain campaign. If you are listening to this program, perhaps the Oregon branch of the McCain for president. Uh, if you're listening to me right now, let Rick Emerson know. Come in. I will gladly for really just I would say a, a, what we could call just a modest fee. I'll be willing to lend my speaking abilities to the McCain campaign. Doesn't it seem like he is sort of just shrinking? You know, the, the sort of the farther along we get, the closer we get to the election, he is just sort of getting smaller and smaller in the consciousness uh, he just sort of seems to be receding into the horizon. Uh, Sarah Palin, too. I mean, when, I mean, apart from that sort of nutcasery that's been happening in all of her campaign rallies, people are shrieking a bunch of weird, violent, racist things. In terms of Sarah Palin, like actually her herself, mm-hmm. when is the last time, I mean, apart from the debate, when is well, the that last... Was it. I mean, that's it, right? Like, we haven't really paid any attention to her. So I think... I mean, I don't really know, but it seems to me, my read on the cultural zeitgeist at this, uh, this point would be that we have all... Like as a country, I think we've all just kind of decided. I mean, you know, you get these nitwits in the middle who go, "I just don't see a difference between the two." So you get these kind of attention whores who just continue to insist to Soledad O'Brien that they're uh, that they're undecided, so they can continue to be on television. And this Wednesday, I think will be the last time we have to see those folks. But I think everybody else has just kind of gone, "Okay, yeah, we've." Uh, I think we've made up our mind. And uh, John, thanks for coming by. You're a great guy. And. Uh, Okay, we'll be in touch. John, we're going to keep uh, you and no, 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 you and Sarah both. No, we're going to keep your resumes on file. And uh, you know what? We'll let you know. You know, if, uh, you know, hey, we're constantly in a state of flux here. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll um, you know, we'll keep you in mind if any if any openings that are matching your qualifications uh, come up. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go in a different direction right now. But uh, you know, but but really, no, on, no, ser- no, really. Thanks for coming by. And it's you're you're. I mean, you're really qualified for. I mean. Hey, in a perfect world, we could hire all of you, but uh, you know, it's uh, we've got to make the decision. So um, get up, and, and we've all kind of decided that. And so as a result, I think that's why we're not really paying attention to Sarah Palin and John McCain anymore, which is why they keep amping up all of this rhetoric because I think they realize that Americans have just stopped listening. So all right, here's Tim Riley, and people are mad as <laughs> yes. hell. Yes, Tim. The federal government is investigating complaints against the Florida sheriff who uh, dropped Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama's middle name. During a recent Republican rally, Southwest Florida's news press room. Where? That was me. That is all me. That was all you, you bastard. That's right. Eat that. And I can't do two things at once. Oh, whatever. So, the office of Lee County Sheriff Mike Scott has been inundated with phone calls since he made the controversial reference in the speech at a Republican rally led by Vice Presidential nominee Sarah Palin on Monday. There's people that make things happen, there's people that watch things happen, and there are people that wonder what happened. On November 4th, on November 4th, let's leave Barack Hussein Obama wondering what happened. The weird thing is if you see that guy and then you listen to his voice, it's like two different people. Because he he has this sort of effeminate delivery to his voice, and then you see him and he's like some huge Matt Peterson guy, like with a shaved head. What's his name? Uh, what is his name? His name is Jackass McGee. No, not Jackass McGee. Uh, Sheriff Mike Scott. Sheriff Mike Scott. Um, but he's like this big sort of he kind of looks like a really buffed out version of Steve, the guy who was the security guard on the Jerry Springer show, and then he's wearing like that weird the six point sheriff's badge or whatever uh-huh. uh but then he he opens his mouth and he sounds like he ought to be selling women's hosiery somewhere he looks exactly like that guy from jerry Springer. he does yeah no he's kind of like a roided out version of that guy not that he's on steroids all right here's tim riley 
underdog. So says uh, John McCain at a rally in Wisconsin. He focused on the economic crisis facing the American people. He says he agrees with the people that the government has become corrupt, and he promised to put an end to it as president. As a senator, I've seen the corrupt ways of Washington and wasteful spending and other abuses of power. As president, I'm going to end these abuses, whatever it takes. You know what John McCain is? Dropping words. John, well, because he does that. John McCain sometimes sounds like, and I'll make my uh, my second point here. But you know, to what Sarah just said, you know what Sarah Palin does the thing of dropping her G's because I think you know makes her folksy or whatever or relatable. John McCain though does that thing, and you'll hear this in radio sometimes, where there is a like a commercial that is supposed to be sixty seconds long, and when they cut it, it's like sixty five seconds. And so with Pro Tools or with this other program we use called Adobe Audition. Um, which is a sound editing program, what they'll do sometimes is there's a spot that's 65 seconds long, and it's supposed to only be 60. They'll do this they'll do time compression, which is where it basically is where the software goes through and takes out tiny little slices of audio that are supposedly so tiny you can't hear them being removed, but the net effect is to shrink the commercial by five seconds. But the problem is you can only do that so much. And if you start taking too many out, then this, the commercial gets a little choppy, and you can hear it. Your ear picks up on the fact that there are just missing pieces of sound. That's what John McCain sounds like when he just normally speaks. It's like he can't, it's like he, at any given time, he's only got the ability to make 80% of the sounds required to actually create that word correctly. Um, also this, you were talking about how John McCain's campaign, really, his moment was 2000, which I think is true. Yeah. You know what John McCain reminds me of now, his campaign? And, I, and at this point, I have to say, by way of a little preamble, it almost feels like we're piling on now because he just... Because he just seems kind of mean and sad, you know. And I, you know, I, and he's obviously sad for the same reason that he's mean, which is that he knows it's over. Like he knows he that he's just he's lost. I mean, there is unless some seismic shift or event happens in the next three weeks, which is always possible. Uh, as everybody, you know, as, as and Paul, then he's got his Cruella de Vil wife running around. Oh God, that hair one. pulled all the way back like that. <laughs> Oh, don't make that noise. That's exactly what she is, right? Yeah. It's like you expect, every time she come on, comes on stage, you expect Danny Elfman music to be playing and then to be going down a flickering spiral stone staircase. Um, if I was, if she really, I should come up with some sort of horrible campaign pun. Let's see. Um, what would the Crypt Keeper say? What's a pun that a Crypt Keeper would make about elections? Um, this candidate is really a cut above. No. Um, wait, one more. Hold on. Uh... Vote, poll, uh, ballot. Um, I can't think of anything. I can't think of a Tales from the Crypt political pun. And how weird that that's the bar on this program, that I'm angry that I can't come up with a, a pun on the fly that the Crypt Keeper would make about politics. But but John McCain, you know, it, it feels like we're piling on now because it does seem like the sun is really setting over there. And barring some weird... You know, the thing that happens yeah, in the next three weeks. Clock. Yeah, I mean, all Obama has to do now is not lose. I mean, that you know, it sounds like a daft statement, but I mean, he no longer has to win. Obama is ahead, and he's ahead by like four or five, six points in the you know in the polls. But that doesn't even really matter. The fact is, if you look at that electoral map, unless some massive sort of unforeseen thing takes place, I mean, he's got it sewn up. All he has to do is win Florida. So on, on those polls, somebody was telling us that the only people they poll are people with landlines. Is that true? Well, depending if they if it's, if it's a telephone poll. 
traditionally speaking, they have only polled people who have landlines because there is no directory for cell phones. Which is the probably the 50 numbers. plus demographics. They haven't even, like, the truth be told, like, polled a lot of younger yeah. people, right? Although, to be fair, that's exactly what. They, that's why they said John Kerry was going to win in 2004. Like Michael Moore kept saying that. Well, what these polls don't show is all of the young people who have cell phones, and that's why John Kerry is going to win, which, of course, didn't happen. But just in terms of the electoral map, if Obama carries Florida right now, that's enough to put him over the top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, McCain is like, I don't know, like nine different states that he has to somehow get together if he's going to win. So it is, it is sort of over. But but when you listen to McCain, it's sort of like when you wake up in the morning and, you, you know, you're tired and you're sort of groggy and you have that first cup of coffee. And then there is that there's that wonderful honeymoon period when you've had your cup of coffee where you are awake and you're vibrant and you're energized and you're going to go to work and you're getting a lot of stuff, thing, you know, things done. And, you, you know, and you're just firing in all cylinders. And then about 90 minutes to two hours after you've had that cup of coffee, then it wears off and you kind of get that, I don't know, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm having a real bad crash right now. Yeah, I'm on the downside of my, uh, hmm? Yeah, no, I was going to, uh, no, I'll come find you. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll get back to you in a second. And the coffee has worn off and you are beginning to slip into like some sort of a, a half-awake state. That's where John McCain is now in terms of his, in terms of his campaign. You know, the the high water mark was 2000. That's when he had the energy, the momentum, and now he's kind of going through the motions. But there's just there's no spark to it. So right. well, he says he's uh, going to rein in on government spending. I will make health care more accessible and affordable. I will impose a spending freeze on all but the most vital functions of government. I will review every agency of the federal government and eliminate those that aren't working for the American people. Whatever. <laughs> Okay, friend, you just you just keep talking. Will the rest of the rest of the country be over here voting voting for somebody else? The former president of Finland has been chosen as this year's recipient of a very special prize. The Norwegian Nobel Committee has decided to award the Nobel Peace Prize for 2008 to Marty Ahtisaari. I'm sorry. To who? Hmm? What was his name? Marty Ahtisaari. For. You know, for a minute, it sounds like with a speech impediment, you were saying he must be up to something. Wh- who won for what? The president of Finland. Maktiyaptasari. But w- Let's back up. What did he win? The Nobel Peace Prize. For, Nobel but Peace I mean, for Prize. what? For peace. All right. That does, okay. There's plenty of peace going on in Finland. Why shouldn't he? All right. Okay. They never had war, are they? I was just going to say. It's true. They were successful in that. I mean, uh, I don't even know what happens in Finland. I know that makes me an ugly peace. American. What is the capital of Finland? Helsinki. Okay, there you go. See, most people think it's in Sweden. It's really in Finland. Uh, it's a different country. What is the uh, what is the uh, what is the main industry in Finland? Main industry in Finland. Would you like to know what happens? Here's how my brain works. Do you ever You're think of Sweden? How do you know I'm thinking of Sweden? Because people always do when they mention Finland. I'm thinking of Finland. That was weird. I said, "What about Finland?" And you said, "You're thinking of Sweden." I believe Tim. I think you're thinking of Sweden. That would be like me saying. Man, all day I've been thinking about going and having the uh, mashed potatoes. And you go, you're thinking about having Jello. No, I'm thinking of Finland. What is the main industry in Finland? Does I, anyone know? I, I have no idea. Here's how my brain Everybody works. talks about Finland. That's what I'm saying, because they're always talking about Sweden. Right, Tim? Yes. This whole conversation's folding my brain into little origami squares. Did you ever use a phrase, though, or you say something, and then the image it conjures up in your head, the related pictures that go with that set of words, like, makes no sense at all? Right? I think they have a high suicide rate. I think that's where I've heard of it before. In Finland? Yeah. Okay. Right now when I asked you what is the... And we have to get off this topic because my brain is turning itself inside out for some reason. 
Right now, when I just said, what is the main industry in Finland, the picture I got in my head was one of those guys being at the top of a mountain and blowing into one of those horns that goes all the way down into the valley and going like, and no, that would be the elves. Yeah, but I don't know why. But when I was talking about Finland, that's the picture I got in my head. Is a guy like on top of a, you know, top of some snow-capped hill blowing into one of those horns. I don't know why that is. Let's move. Let's move forward. On KCMD Portland, here's Tim Riley. I'm looking at Finland industry. It's not doing anything. I went to finlandindustry.com. Oh, here we go. Finland industry. Finland in the news. Did you say Finland? Yeah, Finland. Wait, hold on. Wait. It's, we have a Finland in the news uh, sounder. Wait, hold on a second. And... No, I don't know where Rick. I don't know where my mutual news that we should move off of this. Let's ah, move. Let's move forward. A camera will eye the moon. That's news from Finland. So somebody's looking at the moon from Finland. Let's move along. <laughs> let's, Richie. Please don't put this part in the recap on Monday. Let's uh, just just extract this segment and burn it. I got the creepiest email from Barack Obama about Finland. Yes, about Finland and about how like it's time for the talk. And it's talking about how you need to... Sarah, you're a great girl. <laughs> it's talking about how you need to email your friends and family and tell them who that they need to vote for him. That's just awkward. Yeah. My family and I don't talk politics, ever. No, because uh, your parents are like uh, my in-laws. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you just don't have that discussion because well, then it just ends really... up in anger and tears. Yeah, they've admitted at this point that they realize that George W. Bush was a huge mistake. Yeah. But um, I haven't, like, I've talked to my mom and I've kind of, put, like, tested the waters a little, like, during the... Do you know who your parents are voting for? No. Do you want to know? No. Really? I really don't want to know. Is that... Do you... No, and this, I, you know, in, in my 28 years on this planet, I, the lesson I have learned is that sometimes it's better to not know. Will they volunteer the information to you at some point? Because Lara's mom, no. her, her dad is kind of sweet, but her, Lara's mom is like this, where Lara will go out of her way to try to not talk politics, religion, issues, whatever, because her mom is just, you know, because her mom is just, she's a real, you know, she's a real... Uh, you know, she's real handy. You know, she's one of the, she's just a real, she's a, she's a, she's a Fox News devotee. I mean, just in every sense of the word. And so she will do that thing where she will try to bring up politicians. Laura and Laura will be like, Mom, I don't want to, look, can we just, I really don't want to. And she's trying to keep the words from coming out of her mom's mouth. And then her mom will just say, Barack Obama's a socialist. You know, she'll just like, she'll get it out because it's like she can't help herself. It, it, like she just it's like she just wants to keep like poking and prodding and picking at it and she just cannot no matter how many times Lara tells her I don't want to know what you think about Barack just keep it to yourself mom like her mother just cannot stop herself from instigating an argument mm. so is that going to be the thing with your parents where like they will tell you at some point well you know look no, honey I, we did vote for John McCain I mean you know no we don't no they don't tell me and that's what I, I kind of try and test it like with the debates like my mom was asking me like for the VP debate she's like what are you doing tonight I'm like oh I'm going over to my friend's house you know, um, to drink a bottle of wine and watch the debates. And she and I kind of paused. It's like an icy silence on the other yeah, end of the phone. I just kind of paused, and I'm just like, and she didn't say anything. She's like, okay, we'll have fun. I'm like, all right. All right, there you go. And then I'm just, yeah, then that's it. I'm just going to move forward. Let's buy some applets and cutlets. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, my girlfriend, I don't know if this is what she calls her or if this is something she heard, but she refers to Sarah Palin as Caribou Barbie. Yeah, I've heard that somebody. I read that before online or something, which I think is a takeoff on Malibu Barbie or Malibu yeah. Stacy from The Simpsons. Yeah. So once again, my girlfriend's not original. Okay, good to know. And then on the debate with Taylor, did you notice that they shot the whole thing? Whenever they showed Gwen, they would pull back to show the backsides of the VP candidates. Oh yeah, no, that's how Sarah noted that uh, Sarah Palin had panty lines. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, but that. That dress couldn't have been much tighter on her either. I mean, that was a uh, that was like a the dress was a spray painted onto her. Yeah, yeah. 
And then uh, my last thing, it's not a hang-up. My last thing is, did you guys hear that Obama's buying time six days before on all the networks? I did hear that he's buying a 30-minute infomercial, which is what it is, regardless of what they call it. The Obama campaign is buying a 30-minute infomercial on, uh, among other places, on CBS. And he would be giving his message to the people unfiltered, uh, which is great. I mean, and I've been saying that for the longest time. I don't know why they don't. I don't know why they just don't say, look, we're going to buy an hour, and I'm going to get on TV, and I'm going to, like, lay it out for everybody. So it's good to see that my suggestions are finally being heated. So I just love that it's like one big middle finger to uh, McCain. I have money, you don't. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it, but that's but that probably is true too because it's got to be a little bit of psychological warfare, warfare because that I mean, because it's prime time. I think I don't know what day of the week it's going to be, but I mean, you know, buying thirty minutes on like five different networks right before, and you know, and the networks will um, you know networks are are held to a certain networks are held to a certain rate when they are selling political time. But that being said, half an hour still isn't cheap, and it is a nice little way to to get in a dig at McCain. Like, look, I can just sit here and burn money all day long, John McCain. I still got more than you do. Well, He's I, blazing up with a $100 bill. It's six days before the election. Election's on a Tuesday, so wouldn't that be on a Thursday? It would be on a th- wow. wow. That's a lot of money. It really is. All right, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I read that yesterday. Um, so, all right. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Um, no, so I'm driving in the car. Uh, no, let, let me back up one day. Yesterday I'm uh, running on the track in PCC, Pennsylvania with my dad, and we're talking about how he's not going to ever be able to retire now, unfortunately. Right. It's kind of sad. I'd rather not talk about that. But he's saying something about Iceland going bankrupt, like the actual country somehow has no money, and I'm wondering if anybody knows anything about that. First of all, can you do me a favor and turn your radio down, sir? Yes. All right, thank you. So Iceland is going bankrupt? Yes. Yeah, what's the deal with that, Tim? Well, their banks are running out of money. So, well, that doesn't make any sense. See, this is one of those things where I feel like an idiot American. How can the bank be running out of money? Where is it gone? The economy is frozen, so to speak. Yes, the Iceland economy <laughs> is frozen. Uh huh. All right. So, thanks. So, could, so could we just turn up some money and buy that country then? That's a great idea. We should completely buy Iceland and then do something silly to it, like uh, or cover it with cheese. Wait, isn't Iceland green? Iceland, Iceland is green and green with his icy. You are right about that. Um, boy, this whole day has just fallen <laughs> apart. Within the last 15 minutes, we were really clipping along at a pretty efficient pace. And as soon as we started talking about Finland, my whole brain just fell apart like a, like a wet paper towel. For you. All right. Thanks, guys. Best show ever. Thank you. Finland, Finland, Finland. The country where I want to be boning, trekking or camping, or just watching TV. Finland, 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 it's the country for me. You're so near to Russia, so far from Japan, quite a long where way is this from, from Cairo. Lots of miles from Vietnam. Thank you. Iceland has 320,000 people. Uh And their gross domestic product is $19 billion. They plunge into financial turmoil Wednesday as the country's third largest bank went into receivership and the government abandoned efforts to put a floor under its free-falling currency. What is the currency in Iceland? The peso. Are you making that up? No, no. No. Uh, No, no, no. Wait, yes? Uh, the Icelandia. I'm not sure. Let's quit talking about other countries. Because here's the, I have no foothold into any sort of reality in these conversations. When you tell me Iceland is on the peso, realize I only... 
You know what? You know what's happening right now? I've turned into a listener in that I only know what Tim is telling me, and I have no like. You know, like those listeners who sometimes like Rick. I do not approve of the way that your program passes along misinformation as truth. It is the Krona. I have turned into one of those listeners right now who complains that Tim just makes things up because the listener doesn't know any better. I don't know any better. And so when I asked Tim what Iceland's currency is, and Tim says the peso, and I just said, really? <laughs> if you had not told me that you were fibbing right there, I would have had no choice but to believe it you. It is the corona. All right. Uh, how often are you going to use that information? Is it the only currency that's also corona? I guess so. What? No. Come on, that's funny. Whatever. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Uh, that was in, funny, you sons of bitches. Finland, yes. they make uh, saunas. What do you mean they make saunas? Well, there's a brand of sauna, Finlandia, made in Finland. And they make You're talking about their industry. Too. How many times now have I requested that we quit talking about other countries? And yet, well, here we are. This morning you were talking about Costco on the wrap-up. Yes, sir. What's, what's the, there's yeah. a smell at Costco. My, do you, have you ever noticed that? It's, it's, the, like sm- a, it's the smell of value, sir. Is it? Yes. I was driving up I-5 a while back with my wife, and I said, smells like Costco. And sure enough, about, well, just a little bit down the road. It's the smell of, uh, no, it's the smell of free hot dogs and discount books. When I, all that cardboard I end up with after we leave Costco, I have to get it out of the house because it smells like Costco. (laughs) So, all right. Okay, thanks so much. This is we've turned into Andy Rooney somehow over the last ten minutes. Uh, Let's see, Rick Iceland had all its money and investments in UK banks. Those banks called in the loans. Wait for it. Iceland now has nearly zero dollars, says Thomas, who knows such things. But it's not so bad because it only has 300,000 people. That's less than the population of Portland. They could all move away somewhere. To I a guess. Place. Well, and Iceland has all kinds of weird food, too. There's only 300,000 people that live there? Uh, 320,000. I was watching Anthony Bourdain a while back, and he went to Iceland, mm-hmm. which apparently is just, you know, it's just kind of a hole in many ways. Uh, but he was talking about, and this, I, I just got an email about this, actually. A guy was saying that the delicacy in Iceland is rotted shark meat. So, I mean, doesn't really sound like maybe they're, doesn't really sound like maybe they're playing on the same level as everybody else to begin with. All right, let's move forward to a completely different type of story now. Louisville Gas and Electric and Kentucky Utilities will distribute 14,000 compact fluorescent light bulbs to customers today. It's part of Energy Star's Challenge a Light, Change a World campaign. These are energy-saving bulbs, and all you've got to do is come in to one of our customer service offices, and you'll be given a bulb. <laughs> okay. You said to change the topic. Is this one of those, like, is this one of those weird spiral, like, curly Q light bulbs? Yes, it is. Those things are the lame. Ones. They make the They make your whole house look like Fight Club, which I guess is... They're not even bright. No, they're, that's the other thing. Good. Light, Damn it, good point, Light Tim. bulbs are supposed to give out light. And now we're I back to being dead. I have in my bedroom, and I have, like one, I have one little lamp in there. And, yeah, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't even read a book. Okay, that is absolutely true. No, no one's like being in a, living in an opium den. No, 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 no one has ever pointed that out before. I, we, did a, we did a little conversation on some months back about it, because I think it was the first time that one had been installed in my home. And I think Lara did it when I wasn't looking, because she's a hippie. And so I went home, and I flicked on the light of my home office, and said it was like I was in Doom 3. I can't see. I think I'll get a lamp. I still can't see. I'll get three lamps. Still can't see. <laughs> so just, like, I don't know, two, three days ago, I was sitting in my home office just uh, typing away, 
And I was looking up and I was staring at the light and squinting angrily. Yeah, because I couldn't squinting in your own home. I couldn't really see anything. And here's another thing. Did you ever do this? You're I want a Thomas Edison light bulb, not these new fangle things. I want a little artificial sun inside my home. That's and not too much. And that's not. And it, that is like the sun on an overcast, you know, an overcast day. So. Did you ever do this, too, where you're sitting at home and you're working on the computer, but somehow you feel like you still need a light on? Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. I mean, the screen is lit. There's no reason why you should need... There's no earthly reason why you should need the light on in your home office when you are working on a computer screen. I mean, it's not bad for your eyes. That's just an urban myth. It is just some sort of weird human thing that you crave. But that goes back to your point. So they were using one of those the weird, you know, squiggly, weird, curly light bulbs. A, the light that it does put off is strange. They try to say that it's like natural light, that it's sunlight. That's not true. It's like some weird light that's coming to you through a series of algae-covered screens. And then, as Sarah just pointed out, and you concurred, it's not bright at all. No. And don't you get the feeling that those weird energy saver lights only come in one strength? Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't come in like a 50-watt or 100-watt or whatever. I mean, I it's just I had, like, 60-watt ones, and I still couldn't it's see. It's like, barely on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I think we're all kind of being had. Yeah. And here's another question. Why are they curly? I mean, is that somehow related to the fact that they save energy? Is the energy savings derived from their unusual design? And if it is, can I make a suggestion? Because, as we've all now just said... Because they don't really put out that much light anyway, couldn't you just accomplish the same thing by taking out your usable, like, 100-watt bulb and putting in a 10-watt bulb and saying, no, 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 it's energy-saving. Just it's just it's like dimmer? when they made toilet tanks smaller, it takes three flushes. Exactly. And they're claiming that it's, you know... People's it... bodily functions didn't diminish. No, they didn't, Tim. Do you remember the whole business of putting a brick in your toilet tank? Yeah, they did that to me in California. Yeah. I had to wait all afternoon for them to bring the brick. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Man, I'll tell you, you know... I'm so glad it's Friday. Me too. Me too. Hey, Tim's. A, you know, this. That's the other thing too. Is you're you're in vacation mode, which is why we've suddenly got all dotty. You're wearing a hoodie, Tim. That explains everything. Well, I'm not the leader of the program. <sighs> I'm just saying. I sit back here and just comment on what's offered. That is true, and I realize that theoretically I have my hand on the tiller, but you are the rock solid journalistic cornerstone of this program, and today you've gone wacky. You're the one that gets blamed for everything. Better. It's true. No matter what happens, I take the blame. Never the credit, always the blame. I want to make you guys feel better. Are you there? What? I want to make you guys feel better. Rick wants you to make him feel better. Please come make me feel better right now, sir. Well, I just looked at my 401k. I lost $12,000 in the last three weeks. Well, that's a bummer. Strangely, I don't feel any better. Okay, well, here's something. you got to stop looking at it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. The solution to this is to look away, sir. Well, in Finland, they build big ships. And guns, and they have steel mills and forests with trees and stuff. It's a great place. Wait, let me back up. They have forests with trees, forests as with opposed trees. to a forest that has no trees. That is exactly right, like the okay. Amazon Basin. Yeah. Well, kind of, here's what's funny. If you go into uh, my MSN or your MSN, and they have this A-list searches, uh-huh. two columns, one's people and the other's hot topics. Uh-huh. And it says, Angelina Jolie, beautification yep. engine, mm-hmm. and 105-year-old virgins, yeah. the starter wife. I'm yeah. going, what the hell? Yeah. Anyway, Tim, you get just later? trying to get away from all this. You want to get a sandwich or something? You guys are smoking. Maybe go out for soup. What? Huh? Okay, bye. 
that's where I always wear ear, earbuds at the max stop. <laughs> because there's already so, always somebody sitting next to you who's been waiting all day to unburden themselves about something tedious. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I'm, I went uh, to the store, <laughs> and then I got these um, Ritz crackers, and I took them home because I really like the Ritz crackers. And then they've got that paper that's kind of weird. It's not like it's regular paper. It's sort of like wax paper, but then it's not wax because the wax paper has sort of got that white wax coating on it. But the Ritz uh, wax paper is sort of brown. And then I think to myself, well, what is this really here for? Because the other crackers don't come in wax paper. They're just in plastic. It's just like so, cardboard wax paper. So what makes the Ritz, Ritz crackers different? And then I was talking to my, uh, my brother Dave because Dave and I, we've been living together because he got laid off down at the pulping plant. And so then we were talking about Ritz crackers, and he says that he should just buy the generic because the generic is 30 cents less. And I said, look, you know, if it's only 30 cents, then why not just go for the regular Ritz crackers? And he said the regular Ritz crackers have oh a different gosh. kind of salt. That's what happens on the Max or anywhere you're trying to just be left alone. That conversation have frequently interspersed phrases like, and if he doesn't give me my child support, I'm going to have the law on his ass. So, all right. Hi, you're on the, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, Rock Tumbler on line three. Hello. Hello. Oh, uh, I was just trying to say another comment about those uh, those fluorescent light bulbs. Yes. If you've ever looked at them, um, they should technically be illegal because they're all filled with mercury, and, and there's no way to actually uh, get rid of them properly. You mean like when you... Uh, the squiggly ones? Well, I just throw them yeah. in the trash, but what should I be doing? You're saying there's I, no actual way to get rid of them environmentally safely? No, the, well, the, the, they're supposed to have a... Uh, you're supposed to recycle them a certain way, but there's nothing set up to actually recycle those yet. So they're selling them, but there's no way to dispose of them properly because you can't throw them away because the mercury all leaks into the ground and poisons everyone. So this is another one of those stupid yeah. environmental things they've created where it only works in theory because they've never actually bothered to set up the back end of the program. Exactly. All right. Well done, Al Gore. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you. That's why I choose not to care. All right. Let the earth take care of itself. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. This is uh, Eric in Happy Valley. I have yet another light bulb comment. Uh, just my personal experience with them, and, and I think that uh, the last caller was right. I think there's really no way to recycle them, which is unfortunate. However, I do use them to damn the environment. Uh, but I've noticed that when you first turn them on, they are dim. They gradually get brighter. Uh, and the light is a little weird, but I've gotten used to it. And as far as watching your computer screen, you're right. It doesn't hurt your eyes. It just fatigues them and makes it harder to see. Yeah, it's just so. weird that I sit there and I watch. Like right now, I'm looking at a computer screen, which is lit. Now, the brightness of my computer screen never varies, and yet I feel compelled to have the lights on around me. You know what this is like? Do you ever see like a sci-fi movie or something and you know, it takes place in some dystopian future? And they will have this thing, sometimes they feel the need in sci-fi movies sometimes to alter things that probably would never be altered, no matter how much science advances, just to show that it takes place in the future. Of course. And I remember watching this sci-fi movie one time, I forget what it was, and it was like, I don't know, it was taking place on like some spaceship somewhere where some guy goes to like, you know, they don't call it his bedroom in the future, of course, they call it like, I'm going to my sleeping chamber. So he goes to his sleeping chamber on his starship whatever, and he adjusts the temperature of the room, and then he just lays down on the bed, like in his bedclothes, with no blankets. In other words, like he puts on his pajamas, but he lays down on the bed, no sheet, no quilt, no comforter, nothing, because, like, the room is adjusted to his ideal temperature. And my wife and I were watching it, and she goes, that's crap. It doesn't matter if your room is at the right temperature or not. You require bedding. You yeah. must have a sheet and a blanket. It's, it has nothing to do with the temperature. You have to have Betting, and so it is with having the light on the room, even though the monitor's lit. It's just a thing that humans need. I saw the same thing on an episode of Buck Rogers. All right, see, there you go. So that's All what right. I'm talking about. All right, thank you. Thanks, bye. Bye. All right. Here's Tim Riley, for the love of God.
a shocking twist. Shock the uh, 15 remaining castaways on CBS's Survivor Gavin last night when they were forced to abandon alliances and form some new tribes. The charge was a short one for more tribal members. One said goodbye after the new Coda and Fang tribes went head-to-head. The show host, Jeff Probst, announced who was to be the fourth person to pull out their torch. I'm sorry, uh, put out their torch. I think that already happened the night before that. And left their opportunity to win a million dollars. Fourth person voted out of Survivor the Bone. Jackie, that's four, that's enough. Need to bring me a torch. That sounds very exciting. Survivor Gabon? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. As we've got this email. Rick, um, as of 2012, regular incandescent light bulbs will no longer be sold in the United States. Really? So I'm going to have no choice but to use those jackass light bulbs they sell now? They're, you have, have to go to some speakeasy. Or they're going to be sold underground. Like illegal repeat. light bulb selling? Mm-hmm. I don't even understand that. That doesn't even. I don't even know why... Let me ask you this. Are those incandescent light bulbs bad for the environment in the sense of their materials, or is it just that they take more energy? Both. But, I mean, how are they bad for the environment? I don't know. I mean, somebody decided that they're going to get rid of them, and there was nothing changed in your mind. I mean, not to sound all like Lars Larson about it, but, I mean, isn't that up to me? If I want to use a light bulb that takes more energy, then my electricity bill will be higher. Yes. I mean, that's that's up to me. Doesn't seem like they'd be taking them off the market, especially because the new ones don't work as well. It's the nanny state. Yes, it is, Tim. You know what that is? Creeping socialism. It's coming, I hear, soon. Uh, Thanks right. to Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi. Now people are just telling me the show smells like Costco. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, I got an email saying uh, that you liked my top five and what I'd like to come in and present it. I wasn't sure if that was real. Was that on the Space? It, uh, yes, it was. Yeah, that was real. I was hoping you could come in and do it today, but I hadn't. Uh, I had not heard back from you, sir. No, I understand. I shot you an email as soon as I got it. No. And I, did, I don't know. All right. Uh, well, uh, so today probably doesn't work. Are you able to do that Monday? Yeah, I'd love to. All right. Uh, so I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, yeah. So um, send me a. Uh, the, well, you know, what? I will message you later on today, sir. I will send I, you a follow-up message. We'll set, it, set up a, a time for Monday. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. There you go. There's, thank you. There's that guy who uh, we will not identify him because I want the top five to be a surprise. No. Um, but uh, as you know, we are picking uh, one listener to come in and do their teenage uh, moping songs, their top five. And so it was going to be today, but I hadn't heard back. Uh, so of all the people who have posted their top five lists at uh, myspace.com slash Rick Emerson, I had a whole blog about it. Uh, we have picked one guy to come in and do his top five on Monday. That's the guy. Uh, so we finally heard back, and so he's going to come in and uh, do that on Monday. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, uh, well, the other guy stole my thunder about the Mercury and the CFLs, but uh, I've been stocking up on light bulbs, so when 2012 comes around, I don't have to worry about it. Have you really been stocking up on light bulbs? Well, yeah, when they told me they're going to take away my incandescent light bulbs, I'm like, what the hell? The other ones suck. Yeah, the other ones, the other ones aren't nearly as good, and also, it just seems like a small thing to be worrying about. A very small sense. There's there's no logical reason for it. So I actually have like four shelves in my basement with light bulbs. Uh, good for you. You know yeah, what? It might de- some space in a salt mine. My 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 depression era grandfather would be proud of you, sir. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I I made room next to the ammunition. So because and again, it's not like I know all that much about the environment. But if there's no safe way to dispose of the new curly ones, and if the other light bulbs, in other words, the regular light bulbs we use them forever. If they're not bad for the earth in some way, in other words, they may use more energy, but it's yeah, not like they're kill- they're not killing dolphins or something. So, no, who, so no. who cares if they use more energy? That's 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 between me and my bank account. If I if my energy bill is higher. Yeah, and it's just like you know the long fluorescent tube lights you have, like some people have in the garage right. or in your office building. 
they, they recycle the new curly Q ones the same way. They, they're put in uh, containers and bags and sent to Canada. So, mm-hmm. You know, next they'll be telling me I can't run my air conditioner in October. It's just not right. I know. All right. Thank you. Okay. See ya. Well, then I wonder if that means that novelty light bulbs won't be available, because I just bought some red lights for my kitchen. So are they going to have to make novelty squiggly light bulbs? Probably. Can you bring them back from Canada? I don't know. And what are those, uh, you know, what are those handicapped kids going to sell now? Because there's no place, on on the curly Q light bulb, there's no place to put the little uh, little kid in the wheelchair symbol. So, all right. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Just me? Yes, it is. Hello. (laughs) Hey, Rick. Um, I, uh... I got Idiocracy. I rented it because uh, you recommended it. Excellent. Good for you. Was, I, I do like Boogie Nights. I agree that's one of the best movies ever made, but yes. uh, I, I, I didn't like Idiocracy. Idiocracy is a flawed film. It's a, it's a good film, in my opinion. It's do you enjoy vi- the irony of it? I do. Oh, man, it was hard. I, I tried. I watched the whole thing, and I, I just I don't get it. i got to say this. <laughs> Here's my thing about Idiocracy is that, um, and I said this when I first saw it, that it's a great premise. It's a great idea for a movie. It's a nice try. It's a flawed film in this sense. Here's my take on Idiocracy, which I do reference. And here's the thing. I'm glad the movie exists just because now it gives us shorthand for the stupefaction of America. But I will say the problem with Idiocracy is that it posits a world that is, I forget, it's like in the year 3000 or whatever, where everybody on Earth has just become mind-bogglingly stupid And the problem you see in that film about 20 minutes in is it's a world full of loud, abrasive idiots. And you kind of realize, like, wait a minute, I don't want to spend 90 minutes with these people because they're so off-putting. So it's got a great opening. It's got a great finale. Some interesting moments. I think it is a flawed film, but I think it goes in the win column just because it is such an apt description of the way our society seems to be trending. Right, it's a good idea. That's see, that's my thing. Uh, in that sense, it's sort of like that Beavis and Butthead do America movie. Great idea, some great moments. The film doesn't work overall, but it's such a great concept that I give it, uh, you know, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. All right. And uh, compact fluorescents, I like them. They never burn out, and uh, they give me adequate light. <laughs> all right, there you go. Thank you. That guy was had a strange little like take where he's laughing at things that weren't all that funny. Like the fact that the light bulbs give him adequate light. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We'll do one more here and we'll resume the news. Hi. Hey, Rick. What's hey, up? what's up? Hey, I had uh, three things. One, uh, Finland, uh, though it's a small country, has a disproportionate <laughs> amount of Formula One world world driving champions. Okay. Mika Hakkinen, Kiki Rosberg, and uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Okay. Iceland uh, has that one guy. Wasn't that guy from wasn't that guy Magni from Rockstar from Iceland? He was from Iceland. Well remembered. Yes. Apparently okay. he's huge there. I guess he's like some. He's the biggest thing in Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And the one last thing I had. This really. This is the thing that pisses me off about the compact fluorescent light bulbs. Because I really like dimmers in my house. I have mm-hmm. dimmers all over the place. Right. Right. They don't work with dimmers. Are you kidding me? You can't use you can't use a, a rheostat, a dimmer, with the new light bulbs. Correct. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on, let's 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 stop for a second. Because I was wondering, Tim and I were sort of Tim and I made eye contact when you said I want to talk about Finland and light bulbs because we were sort of wondering what we fell into here because we mentioned Finland followed by these new weird light bulbs and immediately the phones just lit up with people wanting to talk about it. So let me ask two questions. First of all, so you're saying that if I buy those new squiggly fluorescent, uh, you know, those energy efficient light bulbs, a they will not work with a dimmer, and uh, so b 
Does that mean if I put them in one of those like three-way lamps where you can like turn the switch three times and it goes to different levels, they don't work there either? Well, I think those three-way don't those three-way lamps require a special kind of light bulb with more than one element in it. I don't know, Tim. Is that true? We did like one of those lamps so. that has like low, medium, yeah. and high. Is that a special light bulb? I believe so. So yeah. presumably you can't get a light bulb to work with those either. So wait, hold on. So you're saying that once 2012 hits, my only options for light are going to be on and off? Yes, the socialist minister is going to judge how much light you can have in your home. I'm going to be living it's all in a because of Greenpeace. I'm going to be living in an entirely binary world in terms of my artificial light sources. Yep. Goddamn things suck sometimes. So what about Christmas lights? What about Christmas? Are those incandescent? Well, um, I know the the old style ones are, but I don't know about the the little twinkle lights. I don't know. But those are are just an element. I think those are just an element that glows. Maybe they'll force us to buy LED versions of it, which will be exponentially more expensive. That's right. They have LED, and those are much more costly because Sarah's bitchin' apartment, which is the coolest thing I've ever seen, lit entirely by Christmas lights. Oh, yeah. So you're going to have to buy LEDs, which are uh, more expensive. Well, I don't, that's just a guess. I don't, no, but, I don't you, but, you know, that's a, but you can already see to the end of the equation. That's because totally what it is. The man is going to make you buy something more expensive. I got these Christmas lights for $2.30 at Target the other day, and then, like, I looked at the ones next to them, like, what's the difference between these? Because they're, like, fourteen ninety nine for the other ones. You know, oh, you know what? And you need good light bulbs in Finland because it is a land of the midnight sun where light must be sustained in almost total darkness for seven months of the year. And several you, months. And you know what, Tim? You bring it back and you connect the two things like that. That's they why you closely you're a, simulate natural daylight. So you want Finlandia light bulbs. That's why, uh, that's why, no, I was just going to say that's why Tim is great. Uh, Yes, sir? Final thing? Oh, just which makes it amazing since it's so dark all the time, how much, why they crank out so many world driving champions. All right. And I do believe they have a, like the world's highest suicide rate too. So that's why. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. right, There you go. They don't allow them to use bright light bulbs. You know what we've really, but we, you know what we've hooked into here? Because I was looking at the screens and thinking like, why are these people calling about light bulbs? Like, it sounds almost, at first blush, like a parody of a thing you would talk about on talk radio. You know what I mean? This hour, we're going to talk about the stuck jar lids. What is the most uh, challenging stuck jar lid you have ever had? Akron, hello. There you go. Phone's full again. You know what it is? <laughs> this is why people are responding to this. Because it is the man making you use an inferior and or uh, expensive replacement for something that has been working fine all along. You know what else? This is like that jazz where they're going to get rid of over-the-air television. Uh, and you're going to have to have the digital TV. Now, granted, most people already have cable or whatever. Not a lot of people use an over-the-air TV. But even if you are, they're just going to turn it off, and you will be obliged to get a different television. Um, which, you know, is a thing they will inevitably do to radio, too. You know, at some point, they'll, they'll find some way to do that with radio. They'll force you to buy a new one. Um you know, just and didn't they do that same thing with spray cans? Wasn't there some thing in the 80s where they like they made you buy a different kind of spray can because something it was like killing whales or something? It was always a whale. They would always show a whale or a dolphin, and now it's polar. Polar bears are the new whales too. And that's another thing I've noticed. In the 80s, everything that they tried to make you do, every time the government wanted to force you to do something, they would show you a picture of either a whale or a baby seal, and they would say, "You have to buy a different kind of Aquanet." Your current Aquanet kills baby seals. And then they cut to a guy going, whap, with a club. <laughs> you know? And, like, the connection was never really explained. It was just sort of like Aquanet equals, like, <laughs> you know, that was it. Now it's all polar bears. You have to buy different light bulbs. Why do you hate polar bears? And then they show a polar bear, like, I don't know, falling through a sheet of ice somewhere. And they think, it's Rick Emerson, it's because you want regular light bulbs, you bastard. So... 
And they have special uh, light bulbs for birds, too. Birds need artificial lighting due to the adjustment of its biological clock. Uh, your typical bird needs 10 to 14 hours of daylight per day. So if you have a dark house, you need to buy these special light bulbs to keep the birds happy. Is that like you have to buy a yellow light bulb for your porch because the moths won't flicker around it then? Something like that, yes. All right. Your bird depends on you for the majority of its needs, both physical and mental. Always make sure your bird gets enough light. By practicing sound lighting management, you're working toward spending a more enjoyable and healthy year with your feathered friend. You know, this whole thing you just said about your bird needs you, it's much more amusing if you consider it the Frank Sinatra way in which bird was a, a slang term for a section of the male anatomy. Your bird needs you. Give your bird lots of light. Your, your bird needs lots of exposure to the sun. Uh, hi, you're on the... Uh, wait, hold on. I picked these up in the wrong order. Hi, uh, hello. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. This is Grant. I'm a long-time listener. Love the show. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of experience with these compact fluorescents because I changed my whole house out to them. Uh -huh. And i got to say, I'm kind of an advocate for them because I can realize where we may have to, like, make sacrifices so we're not dependent on, like, such large amounts of energy. And I'm willing to, like, you know, maybe buy up a class of light bulbs, the ones that look like they're supposed to be 80 watts, as opposed to the regular ones that are, like, 60 watts. Right. Just step up a notch and just spend the extra cash, and, you know, maybe it sounds a little hippie, but, you know, that will help at least save us some oil, you know. But the energy companies are not going to help us because we're changing our light bulbs. They'll boost up the prices anyway after you follow all their suggested rules I was, every time. I was just going to say, uh, not to be, I don't mean to be argumentative about it, but I would say sure, that the, the car you're driving now is vastly more efficient than the cars we were driving in 1950, and it didn't stop them from giving you a good screw-in at the pump. So... Nothing is ever going to stop the energy companies from shafting you. That's just what they do. But, I'm just saying that. Well, I, I will say I did have to believe that. Uh, that's probably, insanely enough, that's probably something we shouldn't say. So I believe that you will to get, sort of get us off the junk. But let me, but here's a dumb question. Your uh -huh. light bulb doesn't have anything to do with oil, does it? Well, yeah. I mean, when you consider it in aggregate, yeah, we get a lot of our, our energy production as a whole comes from coal and oil. So, I mean, at some level, I'm sure that that would play into it in some way. I'm not an energy expert, but obviously, I mean, I, I think that consumption in general, because we've been such a consumer culture, if we just consume less of everything, then that will probably help ultimately. Here's the thing. I don't mean to sound jerky because I do – obviously, your heart's in the right place. And, you know, you're you, – here's the thing. Let me put it this way. You, you, my, my wife is probably in love with you already just from hearing, uh, you know, this discussion <laughs> with you. So, but – but if I, if, okay, if I'm in, let's just take the studio. Okay, right above me here is a light bulb plugged into a socket. Now, I'm trying to trace back that light bulb to where the energy comes from. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's oil at any point in that equation, right? This is like, this is plugged into this outlet which goes into the wall, which goes to where, PGE or something? Yeah. And well, they, probably, they probably use, like, hydroelectric power to produce a portion of it. I'm sure there's all sorts of means of making energy that I'm, like I say, not privy mm. to. But it's right. to me that the less we consume of everything in general, the better off we as a country will be. That's my point. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for your uh, concern for the all environment, right. sir. And I will say this. The good thing is you care so much for the environment that it does, in fact, balance out the, the fact that I don't care at all. So it's a net wash. I'm here to be the yin to your yang. God bless you, sir. And that's why we love you. Thank you. Call us anytime. Okay, bye. All right, there you go. Let's do one more, and then we'll break. He's a patriotic fellow. We'll come back with Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. We'll do one more here. One more here. Uh, Barack Obama spoke, believe it or not. And what's he saying? Uh, oh, 
he would step in and fire all the heads of AIG for throwing those lavish parties with your money. Here we are trying to help them keep afloat. Turns out they've got a $400,000 junket. As president, I will march those folks back into my office. I will say, give me back a check for that money. And we are going to try to make sure those folks get fired. Okay, that's a great idea. You know what he should do? I mean, he doesn't need to do it now because he's so clearly going to win. But uh, in some alternate world where the race is still really close, you know, Barack Obama should actually get on television and give like an actual specific list of people who he's going to give a personal visit to and demand money from. He should like the like the, like the uh, the AIG guy that Anderson Cooper was talking about the other night, and like the guy that planned like the the facial spa junket. He should be like, look, here's his name, here's a picture of him. My my second day in office, I'm going to go to his house, and I'm going to stay there with the Secret Service until he writes us a check. The end. And, and show some figure in a dark shadow with a fedora, like on the old IRS record label. Totally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like like a, like Hal Hallbrook in the parking garage. Mm-hmm. Totally. He should actually have a list of people. And when I'm elected, John McCain could do that right now and maybe turn it around. Because John McCain does look physical infirmity or no. John McCain seems like a guy who could probably beat your ass if he had to. I mean, like, if you really needed to, he's kind of Rumsfeldian in that way. I think John McCain could probably give you a good physical working over if he absolutely felt you had it coming. So John McCain should get on TV and he said, look, here's a list of folks who have been pilfering for the economy. When I'm elected president, I'm going to go to their houses one by one, day by day, and I'm going to shake the money out of them. Hanging up on meat hooks. I will. I, that took a dark turn. That escalated quickly. <laughs> Cut off their heads. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Someone is in vacation mode. Wow. And to burn them on a pyre in the front yard. Jesus. Let's break, shall we? Come back after this with unbelievably more of Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. I was going to talk about uh, the fish that kill people and eat the corpses. Well, that'll I'll be next. That. Tim uh, Riley up next. More from Dorothy Carcassari, the National Enquirer. Uh, we talked to her last Thursday. We will do it today, Friday, because we were sort of a day late with that whole thing. Uh, later on, Scott Daly and uh, speaking for 60 seconds. Stay there. Finland, Finland, Finland. It's a country for me. so near to... Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Uh, later on today, we'll talk to uh, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Let's see, what else? Uh, we'll do uh, 60 seconds of speaking for your shot at Henry Rollins tickets uh, later on. Uh, Henry Rollins is going to be at the Newmark Theater Monday the 13th. That is next Monday at the Newmark uh, Theater. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, also, Glorious Bastard of the Week. We have this uh, October announcement to get to, a musical thing, uh, a couple brief notes to get to. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, let me make sure here. Uh, without further ado, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson program from the National Enquirer, our good friend Dorothy Casaseri. Hello, Dorothy. How are you today? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am uh, fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. Yesterday was a little uh, a little crazy on this, and everything sort of got a- got away from us. How's life? I completely understand that. <laughs> Um, so I, just in the last 24 hours, things changed so rapidly. So yesterday we were talking about uh, the Inquirer uh, reporting that uh, Jamie Lynn Spears is pregnant again. And I know that it's on the cover of the new issue. And then I guess there had been some denials or some some folks disputing it or saying it wasn't the case. But now a family member, I guess, is confirming it. Right, exactly. This is our cover story this week. And we have certainly heard denials. But, you know, denials... Uh, 
are not something that are foreign to us. We heard a lot of denials from John Edwards, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. The yes. affair that he was having with Real Hunter. And in the end, our reporting always, you know, the truth always stands out. So, yeah. uh, yes, our sources close to Jamie Lynn tell us that she's eight weeks pregnant. And, and, and so this is what? This is only like three months? God, it wasn't even four months ago that she had the other kid, right? It's right, exactly. She had Maddie in uh, June, and this is basically history repeating itself. You know, Brittany was a little bit older when she had Sean Preston and Jaden James, but those two boys are only about a year and a few days apart. You know, that whole family is like, uh, I, that whole family sort of reminds me of, um, I, I don't know, it's sort of a Cinderella going to the ball kind of a thing. It's like the Spears family was able sort of to hold it together and kind of look like they knew what they were doing for just long enough to become famous. And now it's like 12.02 and everything is turning back into pumpkins and mice for them. Uh, that's a funny way of putting it. You always have these great visual uh, visual imagery that you put out there. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like they you know, they had the success and then uh, yeah, Jamie definitely. Lynn Spears was on television as well. And then it's like... You know, and it's like as soon as Britney started forgetting to wear her panties, everything just went downhill. And then it's like head shaving and pregnancy and, uh, you know, uh, and, and forcible confinement and her mom writing some nutcase book about how to raise your children properly. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, what else was I wanted to talk to you about? Oh, Courtney Cox. And so is there some so is there some weird weirdness with Courtney Cox's uh, face? I mean, I guess she went and she got Botox and it sort of went wrong or went bad or something. It's something that I, it sounds like she really wasn't all that comfortable with. She said, you know, as an actress, I have to be able to move my face, and uh, I've never gotten Botox myself. Uh, I don't think I need it yet, or I hope I don't need it yet. But as we know about Botox, you know, it freezes the face. And so people kind right. of have this surprise look uh, all the time. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, she kind of spoke out. It sounded like almost against it. Um, what else is uh, in the new issue of the Inquirer that folks need to know about? Oh, gosh, we have so many great stories this week. We actually have a, an Obama story this week uh, that's, you know, dropping a new bombshell on on Barack Obama. And, you know, he had that crazy pastor that caused him a lot of trouble, right. that guy that was his mentor. Um, and now apparently there's another mentor of his from when he was younger. This man is was, he's deceased now, but was a close friend of Barack Obama's grandfather. And this guy has authored a, a book, a very graphically pornographic book, talking about him having sex with children and um, using bondage and all sorts of very Ugh. strange, bizarre sexual practices. Um, and this is somebody that, that Barack Obama has written about in his own book, somebody right. who influenced, influenced him from a very young age. So kind of an interesting little twist in the you know presidential campaign. You know, the great thing about the Inquirer is there is just there's no partisanship whatsoever. And you guys don't hew to either side of the of the political aisle. You just uh, you just go wherever the story is. So that's exactly it. All right, Dorothy, have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Making time. We'll talk to you next week. You guys, too. Thank you. There you go. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. So there you go. All right. You know, and it's great because we were talking about this yesterday, that the Enquirer had said, J.B. Lynn Spears pregnant again. And then I guess TMZ had said, no, 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 that's crazy. That's not true. And then just in the last, I think, 12 hours, the Enquirer has actually now revised this story. Not only is she pregnant, but now a family member is confirming it. Jesus. What is and wrong with that family? With that stuff. Like, they get lie detector tests and everything. And so, but I guess they haven't said if it's the same What's his name? Casey Aldridge or whatever they get? I don't know. It's well, the same guy. Well, that's the teaser says on the cover, and I didn't have time at Safeway this morning to look at it. But it's like, and you'll never guess who the father is. I'm like, damn it. And I was flipping through really fast, and I couldn't find the page. You know, and the, the uh, Safeway that I go to, for whatever reason, they lag behind in putting the new issue out. 
Uh, so I was actually at Safeway last night looking, and it was still the uh, suddenly skinny cover. So man, do you, that Safeway on 50th and is it 50th and Powell, 39th and Powell? I went there for the first time. That place is just packed full of like every person that you like. You know how you go to a grocery store and you just don't want to talk to anyone. Like oh, there are just tons of people in there. I, I bumped into like 16 people I knew and like a ton of listeners and stuff. I every time I go there, uh, I, I look see like crap. I'm like oh always man. no 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 always. I go there and and I should know by now. Because that's the one that is closest to my domicile. So every time I go there, I walk in the door and I realize, like, oh god, I look awful. Because I'm always meeting like some, eh, it's not like I'm gonna, some, not like I'm some beauty queen anyway. But I always just look bad. Like I'll look down and I'll realize I'm wearing a shirt that has like some sort of food that I've spilled on myself or something. Like it'll be late at night, or I've just been sitting there and I've spilled some cheese whiz on my shirt and like, well, should I clean it off? No, I won't be going anywhere. And then an hour later, I'm at Safeway buying something. And also this, do you do this when you go to that Safeway? Do you ever realize you're buying something sort of embarrassing and it's like bad food or it's crap food or whatever? Oh, I was buying Safeway Chinese food. Yeah, and then there's, you know, which is not like bad. It's a fine store. No, it's a fine store. But, I mean, you know, you're there and you're buying something that is just sort of obviously late night munchy snack kind of junk food. And, 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 And here's the other thing. I will be spotted buying you know, like a huge thing of cheese, like spray cheese and like a box of Triscuits and the Inquirer, which is like, that's like a white trash hat trick right there. So it's like, there's me, Triscuits, spray cheese, Inquirer, and a shirt that has some sort of food stain on it, wearing like two different socks. And there will always be a listener there. And not only that, the listener will always be buying something really healthy. Like he'll be buying, you know, you know, like a, like a bag of radishes or something and like mineral water. And then there I am with like my crap. I hate it when you're buying something and like someone comments on what you're buying. Hey. Has that ever happened to you? Eating some spray cheese, huh? Yeah, some like weirdo lady. I was buying like a six pack of beer and some paper towels. Right. And she's like, oh, are those to clean up the other beers? I'm like, That's who to... are you? Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> to clean up your blood later. I know. Uh. I'm like, I look like I wanted to have a conversation with you. And she was just, and plus, I wouldn't. I don't do that normally, but she was being snippy to the Safeway lady. And oh, I don't tolerate that. Yeah, and then she started talking to me. I'm like, no. Um, the uh, I have to say that actually the worst I have ever looked at that Safeway was one time, and I, and I referenced like having some food on myself. I was actually this is last year. I was at Safeway and I was wearing a black shirt like I do, and I realized that I did. I had been eating like a spaghetti or something, and and I did have like just a huge like tomato sauce stain on the front of my shirt. And in my own defense, I didn't realize it when I left the house. But it doesn't matter. It still looks like you're a guy who just, you know, just some like, uh, you know, some Grossberger guy who just walks around with food all over your front. And so, the, and you know, I'm unshaven and I'm spotty and I'm just looking all bad. And so I'm standing there in the checkout and who walks up and stands behind me? Daria, of course. You know, just sitting there looking all hot and just, you know, hey, Rick Emerson, how are you? And I'm like, hey, Daria, I'm hairy and covered in food. You know, it's, you know, I saw her the other day on Hawthorne. Yeah. No, I just, uh, and I think that's the last time I've seen So since then, it's like a Seinfeld thing. Like, I almost wanted to go seek her out later, like, while dressed up and, like, shaven so she could see that I do look presentable from time to time. And, of course, I've never seen her again. Do you want me to give you a compliment right now? My sure. Lisa just wrote me, and she's just like, is Rick okay? He's very, he's way too thin. Oh, you. No, but she seriously, I think she's oh, sick or something. Go on. Like, he's fine. Yeah. I'm on the Manilow diet. I guess since we see each other every day, I can't well, tell. That's the thing. Well, I, you're thinner than most people, but... I was going to say... It doesn't mean you're thin. It... That was a compliment. What the hell does that mean? You're thinner than most people, Rick, but it doesn't mean you're thin. Correct. Does Do that... you exercise, or is it just all coming out of... Just... Wait, I'm still back on Tim's assertion that I'm not thin. 
I don't, I don't see you as particularly no, no, skinny. No, right. You're not thin. You I'm look thick. <laughs> if I'm not thin, then I must be thick. Average? This seems like a binary state. I, I would say, yes, an average person. And a mile is long. All right. Well, whatever. Anyway, uh, well, I will take that as a compliment from Lisa. Then. Oh, you should. Lisa looked good, too, by the way. You always think Lisa looks good. Yeah, but... Did you enjoy ogling my hot friends? I was just going to say, actually, I shouldn't even single out Lisa because all of your friends are hot. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was an enjoyable evening. Uh, and, boy, and I don't know if I should say this on the air. I don't mean to make her sound like whatever. But, Jesus, you get a beer in your friend Heather, and it's like a chatty Kathy doll with her. I mean, I, you know, look, no offense, I'm the one to talk. But, I mean, you know. I told you. Didn't I tell you that yesterday? So, Heather is your hot friend who teaches uh, politics or history? Yes, she She's did. a professor? Yes, yeah, she We does. shouldn't say where, probably. Yeah. Uh, She's a history professor, and she studies um, feminism and anarchy. That is so hot. We shouldn't, and I shouldn't say where she teaches because I'm about to make her sound like a lush. A minor? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's like some kind of specific study. I can never remember the title. But you know what? We like I've been with Heather like socially before. Where it's like we'll all be out, and you know, it's not that she, it's not that she's like a wallflower, but she's not especially verbose. Like she doesn't sort of run off at the mouth. And you had made some remark about like you get one beer in her, and you just can't shut her up. And so I saw that in full force last night at your birthday thing. Uh, we were out on the, the back porch or whatever, and it, it, man, it was like somebody had just jammed her full of D-cell batteries and hit the hit the babble oh, button. She's like, well, I didn't know that I was going to go on a week. I can't believe I'm going to go on a week. I thought you said that I had two months. I couldn't believe it. And then Sarah told me that it was two months. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I and, don't know. And I had to tear myself away at some point because she was on, like, her fifth consecutive minute of talking about Che Guevara. And I'm like, look, this is great, but i got to uh, <laughs> I gotta go home and paint something. So, all right. It's uh, 503-733-297. Is she still a great girl, though? Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Let's go. No. No. What? Britney Watch. <laughs> it's Tim's fault he's in vacation mode. TV's 90-minute documentary on Britney Spears, Britney Spears for the Record, will air November 30th, just two days before the release of her new album, Circus. And yes, she does talk about her meltdown period in the documentary. I sit there and I look back, she says in the interview, I am a smart person. What? What was I thinking? Unquote. The show combines documentary footage, personal stories, behind-the-scenes video of her rehearsals in the studio, even back in her hometown of Louisiana. So much has gone on over the past couple of years, and there's a lot that people don't know about me that I want them to know. What haven't we seen? I wonder. <laughs> I wanted to make this film... Brittany, where's your vagina located? I'm unclear. I wanted to make this film because I started to feel like I wasn't being seen in the light that I wanted to be seen in. This is an opportunity to set the record straight and talk about what I've been through and where I'm heading. But if you can't wait for November 30th for Brittany Fix... Her new music video for Womanizer debuts on ABC's 2020 tonight. And the ads for her new fragrance, Hidden Fantasy, are already making the rounds on the World Wide Web. Isn't this like the fifth fragrance she's put out? I guess so. All right. A high-concept topic we could do but will not is, what would Britney Spears' perfume really smell like if it was true to life? <laughs> oh, no. Don't call about that. And if you call, we're not going to take your calls. I'm just saying that's a, that's, that's a high-concept topic I toyed with at one point. What would Britney Spears' perfume really smell like? We can only reset that thing so many times. <laughs> it's true. 
I only got 40 seconds of delay over here. Um, hey, has anybody heard the new single, though? I mean, I think we I did, yes. Is it good? It, it was a toe tapper. I liked it. Uh, Seamus liked it. He, sent the, he said it wasn't any toxic, but that it was still quite good. We should play a little bit of it. It's honestly really is it, good. Uh, is it, is it, has it been, re- no, but I mean, has it been released? We're not going to be breaking yeah, some no, weird no, embargo no, or something. Not that we know of. All right. Uh, but it is clean? Oh, yeah. All right. We should play that later on. Uh, and Oh, is that the end of the Britney watch? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, there's your Britney watch for uh, Friday, the Rick Emerson Show. Arcade, ladies and gentlemen. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Hey, speaking of eating, though, and snacking and whatever, uh, do you ever have, like, a novelty snack food that it's such a great idea, you want it to be good, and then it kind of isn't? You know, I had last night was, uh, I don't remember the brand, but I had falafel chips last night, and they were sort of, they were they were like the same consistency and texture as tortilla chips, but they were, uh, you know, like a really, like a sort of a very thick tortilla chip, like a blue corn chip, except they were falafel flavored. And it's like you want it to be good because that's such a great idea, because then it's like a bag of falafel you can take with you anywhere. And then it just wasn't very good. It was sort of like eating small pieces of cardboard. So it was unsatisfying. Um, also, uh, should we break or should we roll through this, Sarah? Your choice. I don't, let's, let's try and get the breaks out okay. of the way, because Fridays tend to get a little crazier toward 3 o'clock. Then what would Are we you, having Scott Dalian? Yes. So then what would you like to hear, Sarah? Would you like to hear um, snack chip observation? No. I mean... We'll hear it eventually. I'm just, okay. There's no not hearing it. There's, what would you like to hear now? There's snack chip observation. Uh, there's sunflower seeds. There's Richie and Drag. Or there's a second snack chip observation. Okay, I'm going to go for the non-snack chip. I'm going to go for Richie. That being said, we'll probably have to continue this later, but, but we do have to have Richie in at some point to ask him about this this cabaret comedy drag but thing. But do not have him tell any jokes, really. I told you the sample joke. Here. Yeah, no, Richie. So Richie is going to be auditioning to be part of a drag queen comedy traveling cabaret troupe. Not cabaret the musical, obviously, but an actual cabaret of comedy telling drag queens or something. Do you know when the audition is, anybody? I don't know. I think he said this weekend. But apparently he came in this morning and told a sample joke, which Sarah repeated me, and which was awful. awful. And which and was Tim heard it, too. Something that one doesn't say, even even at this job, I don't think you say that uh, like in, in the workplace. You, you say it uh, among a choice audience later in the evening. An audience that's, I think... I think that's like an after-midnight kind of joke. I yeah. think that's a joke that you tell to an audience that's lubed up on scotch, uh, you know, late in the evening. An, uh, an audience that's been drinking Mai Tais all night, uh, that's who you tell that joke to. Uh, all right, so well, let's take a break then. We come back. Uh, we will talk to Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. We'll do 60 seconds of speaking. Uh, what else? We'll do uh, snack chip observations. We will have Richie describe his drag queen audition. We still haven't played our Palin Watch submissions. I haven't done the Talktober announcement either. All right. See, aren't you glad we break out of the way then? All right. All right, well, all right. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back after this, and we'll try to get all that done in the next hour. It's Friday. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there.
Rick Emerson Radio Program and Britney Spears. Uh, this sounds a lot like Call Me by Blondie. Oh, yeah. I it's a great song. Yeah, this is going to be a comeback, I think. I like that last song. I like that piece of me song. This also sounds a little bit like Hung Up by Madonna, which is self sampled from an ABBA song. Who produced this, do you know? I do not know. She's like, I got your crazy or nothing but a woman. That's a great song. Mm-hmm. Okay, I give it a solid thumbs up. And the thing is, obviously, you have to separate Britney from her music because she only has, I think, the most ancillary involvement to her own songs. But in terms of composition, in terms of actual song craft, this is really, really good. All right, well done. It's 503 Richie Bristol, can you join us in the studio, please? Oh, you've got to play a song. Uh, where did it go? Uh, and then uh, here in a few, we'll uh, welcome Scott Daly to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Oh, this morning uh, was surreal. Tim and I were just sitting here rocking out to right. Britney Spears. So this is going to be loud, probably. All right, no, I guess not. All right. Our intrepid PA. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. I hadn't done that in a long time, so... Is that because in honor of South Park? So does that make it okay? No, it's in, well that is yeah. But after I got roasted, I mean when uh, Fat Boy said some stuff uh, at the roast, remember? That was months ago. You've yeah, been but on that's a hundred times. Since I ever said it. Oh okay. You have to put your headphones on normally. They're, you're weird, man. You have them on your cheeks. Okay. All right. Um, so keeping in mind that you're not going to repeat whatever you said this morning. Right. So <laughs> apparently this morning you came into the studio and told Tim and Sarah that you are going to be auditioning to join a. Let me let's see if I get this right. A touring cabaret drag queen comedy troupe. Uh, well, it's not a comedy troupe. It's an entertainment troupe. I'm uh-huh. learning about it because I'm, I'm learning through my manager at Taboo Video, Tom. <laughs> what, your manager? Is he your personal manager yeah. now? He's going to be your manager. He's managing all the details of it. So. Okay. But uh, we got to tomorrow. All right. Ten let's, let's make... All right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know where to start with uh, that. Me either. Re- remi- re- remind me uh, Remind me later to use the phrase, updating conflict of interest paperwork with you. Uh, okay. Um, so, uh, what are we, okay, so when are you auditioning? Uh, tomorrow. Okay, so where, where, I mean, you don't have to tell me the specific, but you're auditioning at a theater, at a, where you, what, at some guy's house, where are you auditioning? At a drag club. At a drag club. And so what does your audition consist of? Do you have to be in drag? Uh, that's what we're going to be doing in the morning is... So tomorrow morning, they're going to be dragging you up, uh-huh. and then you're going to go there and tell jokes? Uh, that's going to be the start of it. But so do you I don't think, What is your whole act? I, I mean, nobody's going, to, nobody's going to go. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is no one here is going to be there tomorrow. So it doesn't matter like you're ruining your material. What, uh, what does your act consist of? Uh, well, what I want my act to consist of is, is I'm going to start out with a little... Soft shoe. Comedy. Uh-huh. And then I want to play a solo on the guitar. And then... Can you play guitar? What 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 kind of music will you be playing on the guitar? Uh, I want to do show tunes. Uh, what I learned how to play the guitar on was country, so right. I got to learn different. Uh, you have to learn a chords. show tune on the guitar tonight. Oh yeah. What well, is your show tune? What what's the show tune you're going to use? Uh, I don't know. That's part of tomorrow morning. What we're going through is picking out. You're songs. putting things off at the last moment. I would say. Yeah, but 
It's it's matter if I got All my right. voice enough to do it. So you will be there in drag. You will start off with a joke, and then you will play a show tune on the guitar. Yeah, and then a piano, and then I want to do one in front of the jazz band, which I think I found. This is the same song or three different songs? Three different songs. Wow. Okay. And then so if they say, well, that's it. You've got it. You're in. Like, what do you do then? Where do you go? Uh, they have uh, choreographers, and they have people that... Uh, have classes for singing, so I will go through voice lessons. But I mean, where where were you tour? Uh, Embers. Um, oh, so it's not like a local thing. So you're not going to quit uh, the radio to. Okay, so you want to be going to California or something. <laughs> okay, so Richie, so what you want to do is you want to do a one man thing. He's going to he's going to do jokes. Then you said guitar, piano, and something else. Show tunes. Yeah. Uh, jazz band. So kind of like a one man. So I just do you think go over like the course of an hour or? Uh, one night. I know for you know for sure we're doing it in December that we're going to do one night at North Bank, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to be working on that. Uh, that's going to be me, I guess. That's what I'm being told. It's going to be me. But other than that, I I'm, that's why I'm trying to be with this cabaret. And so, uh, okay. And so you're going to be sort of tomorrow like a sort of a. Asian vet Midler with a penis. Like, again, seriously, kind of a one-man a one man show sort of a thing. Yeah. When will you find out if you've uh, if you've been accepted? Probably next week or right away, maybe. All right. Are you going to introduce yourself as Rochelle? Yes. All right. Okay. I, do we have follow-up questions? I don't really know where to go here. pictures and stuff? Oh, we're actually doing a documentary on it. Well, that's fine, but I want immediate pictures. Oh, we want gratification. Well, like, you could you could check out my my uh, MySpace. Okay. Do you have a, do you have any pictures on there now? Not yet. Rochelle will. <laughs> Are you gonna set up a MySpace page for Rochelle? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a she, good question. Does she she will have one as soon as I get the picture. We're yeah, doing a photo shoot. Too. She really needs her own MySpace page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, All we're right. doing a photo shoot. I'm gonna make her friend number three. <laughs> oh no, Rochelle! Rochelle's replacing you. I'm sorry. Well, here's the oh, thing. No. You know, do you find this frustrating in MySpace? Because I know you can randomize your top friends. Which I've wanted to do, you know, because then nobody gets their feelings hurt. I just always leave mine as family and work. That's it. But see, here's my thing. Is there somebody that I like? There is somebody we know who was in my top eight for a long time. And then when the listener party came around, we did that stunt of, like, making the top 50 all people who would put the listener party logo up. Mm-hmm. And somebody got bumped out of the top five because they, they didn't, you know, they, which is fine. It's not like I care. But they, they didn't, you know, their, their picture stayed the same. I'm not saying who it was, sir. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and then I got, and but then I got like a snarky, like I'm no longer in your top eight. I see. And I was like, well, it's just because we were doing the stunt of whatever. So I, I don't want anybody feelings hurt. But my thing is, I want to keep a few people always there, like you and a few other people. So I wish you could lock a couple of them and then randomize the rest. That's what I wish you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at mine. So mine's yeah, my sister, you, the show, share, Richie, Yay! AM 970, Excellent. Film Fever, Special Agent Jail, uh, Dale Cooper. Yeah, and, you know, no offense to anybody else, but the, probably the only ones that I would keep locked are Richie, you, and the West Memphis Three, and then I would have everything else rotate, but there's just no way to do that. So, I'm all right, well, let there. us know when Rochelle gets her page up. I'm not on your top friends. Aren't you? Oh, never mind. I meant the only ones that are locked are Sarah and the West Memphis Three. You mean Rochelle? Richie's going to have to go listen to his moping song. Rochelle will, though, yeah. <laughs> what? So you have no idea what show tune you're going to sing? No. I, if you could, what would it be? I don't know. To all the boys I loved before. That's not a show tune. In other words, What's the definition if, of a show tune. Uh, something Ben Midler was singing. But I mean, in other words, if, you, if if learning it on the guitar wasn't an issue, if you could if you could perform anything magically, wave the wand, you're able to do it. What would it be? Showgirls. That also not a show tune. That's a movie. Oh. <laughs> that I don't know. I don't know show tunes. What songs do you like? What songs do you like to sing like when you're in your apartment by yourself? What do you sing in the shower, Richie? What do I sing in the shower? Uh, Key Sweat. No. Uh, the. The Star Spangled Banner, because it's the only one I know the words to. Also, the Star Spangled Banner? The Star Spangled Banner. Also not a show tune. 
That's the only one I know the words to. Will you sing a little bit of it? What? Sing, sing a little something for us now. What is the Star Spangled Banner? Oh, say can you see? You don't or sound you like a drag show? queen. Oh, hello. Oh, say can you see? I don't know. I'm working on it. I am experiencing fear. <laughs> hello. <laughs> All right. Richie, you've got to, you know, work on I gotta being work on able to say more than hello. <laughs> I know, but that's that gets, that gets me started. So I, that's. Here's the thing. Right now, you're in a building full of. I would imagine mostly non-drag queens. I mean, who's to say what you know, people's private lives or their own business? But I think the bar is going to be racy here. You can just say hello and it sort of works. I think when you're competing against real drag queens, I think that you're going to have to do more than that. Well, there's echo and, you know, we'll work on it. That's why I'm going to take voice lessons. Okay. Richie, was yeah. Rochelle at work today? Where? Has, has Rochelle been here today? Because I was just in the ladies' bathroom <laughs> and the toilet seat was up. No, I would have left it down if I was Rochelle. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. All right. Wait, 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 can I tell one joke that's clean? Oh. It's very clean. Sarah? It's very clean. What do you think? You heard it today already. No, you can't no, say no, that. No, no, it's not a bad one. It's real short. Oh, the, the, yes. Okay. Is yeah. it clean? Yeah, it's fine. All right. Okay. What does a gay cow eat? What does a gay cow eat? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was funny. Have you never heard that before? No. <laughs> okay, God help me, that's funny. Oh, my God, I thought he was talking uh, about the other joke he told. All right. Uh, I'm such an ass, we haven't brought Scott Daly oh, in yet. Crap. All right, should we, should we, go, should we break here? Let's, let's get the break out of the way, and that way we'll all have right. a nice big let me, uh, let me just, uh, in honor of Richie Bristol, I'll play us into the break with this. We'll come back with Tim Riley. And there's no top five, so we'll have like a full half hour here. We'll come back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hey. Oh, wait a minute. Listen. Just listen. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. Look, I've seen a lot of dancers. I studied in New York. Alvin Ailey. You burn when you dance. You said I couldn't. Oh, you gotta hold some of it in. You got some to learn dancing. What's that? More wisdom? I know that. Well, it ain't right. You got too much talent for it to be right. Get out of here! Yeah. Okay. Girls. Right up to the ceiling. Yeah. Right. This is Nomi. Hey. Okay. Nikki, Julie, Dina, and you know Gay. How you doing? They'll run you through it once. You just watch, and then we'll blend you in. Okay. Music. Go. How does she do? She's no butterfly. Tony, she's all pelvic thrust. I mean, she prowls. She's got it. I wonder how she got it. Well, she certainly didn't learn it. She learned it all right, but they don't teach it in any class. I need to build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? I better take off my pants. Take off your panties. Let me go to uh, the horny slut.com rape food like bosoms. Her bosoms? Uh, which are plentiful. It's really possible it's being hidden in my buttocks. You must take my seat. I was waiting for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. <laughs> All right. It's 503-733-2970. Mere moments away from Tim Riley. And, uh, 
the meantime, in between time, Scott Daly. Hello, sir. Hello. Okay, so those glasses are new? No, I've had these glasses for about two years. Something different with your hair? Uh, hair, I haven't, I haven't seen a barber in like two, three months. You look different today, and I can't no, find the hair is scraggly. I need a haircut desperately. No, 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 you look good. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, no, you're making it work. Oh, well, thank you. Have you no, thought about just growing? Any... What happens if you just let your hair grow? Do you get uh, Carl Click hair? It gets, no, I get, yeah, kind of. Gets all bushy? Gets all bushy and frizzy. Someone you totally asked me the other day if, uh, I'm, if, if I'm reacting to electrical currents in the air, because it gets really. You get like a white man's fro? Oh, yeah. You should totally do that. Nah, I can't pull it off. It's bad. It just it makes me angry. Because uh, <laughs> I put in hair product. Your hair terrible. makes me angry. It's like, God, I can't deal with it. So. You should feel grateful for that hair. You've got some good hair. Well, thank you. It's, got a, nice, it's got a nice wave and curl nice to voice. it. Nice yeah. voice. Well, thank you. It's, yeah, it's, I'm debating. See, I'm debating. It's I been a long time appreciate my, you know, my hair when it, when it, when it was really long. Um, you know, I don't have long hair anymore. But um, when my hair was really long, I didn't really ever take care of it. I was just a dumb guy. I just like let it grow, you know, and it just I had like a bad Jesus thing. And But my hair had a, like, a real natural wave to it. And and girls were always like, I'm so jealous your hair is this natural wave. And I'm like, whatever. You know, and I never really appreciated it, you know, until then you wake up and it's like, wait, there's less of this. Yeah. Ah, crap. Uh, as, soon, as soon as I see that ball swap back there, it's, it's gone. So. Go for the shave. I'm going to do the Aaron Durant thing. All right. <laughs> uh, we will return to you in a moment to talk about sure. Body some of lies. crap film. Some, you know, for this guy. All right. Uh, this, however, is Tim Riley. And Ministry now, Truth. Though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Wall Street captains worst week ever with a wild session today that saw the Dow Jones Industrials rocket within a 1,000 point range before closing with a relatively mild loss. So it's not a big loss as ever. Two months after announcing a second quarter loss in sales far short of expectations, Seattle beverage maker Jones suddenly laid off 40% of its workforce, cutting off uh, 42. Are you saying that? Wait, hold on. Are you saying. You're saying the Jones Industrial Average is down too, Tim? Yes. Or they could not keep up with the Joneses? Mm. Now there's something there. There you, there you no, go. There Jonesing you go. for profit. Nice. That's it. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Well, you know, once they made that. Uh, We're so stupid. <laughs> once they made that bottle of soda with our pictures on it, really, it was like what you know. That's they, 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 they've accomplished their mission. Exactly. All right. Here's Tim Riley. A fearsome fish has started killing people after feeding on human corpses. This is a huge type of catfish known as a gooch. It is about a goose. <laughs> a human flesh red, not French. Well, they could be French, I suppose. Locals have believed for years that a mysterious monster lurks in the water, but they it moved on from scavenging to snatching bathers who venture into the Great Kelly. Where is? Let's stop. Where is this? Between India and Nepal. Oh, so, I thought it was like here in America. So okay. the gooch was not snatching. Yet. Not the, yet. The gooch will be here before you know it. All right. Well, you know, the gooch was, this is why I laughed. The gooch is is the bully that beats up Arnold on different strokes. That's nope. right. I was thinking something from Stand By Me. No. But yeah, yeah. His biggest victim so far tipped the scales at 161 pounds, well, when he was whole and living, and nearly six feet tall. That is a record for the gooch so far. Okay. Are you done? I am done. Are you leaving to go on vacation? I am. Yeah, I don't think right. I've ever seen Tim Riley in jeans before. And a hoodie. And it, it's right. This is Tim's. Uh, wow. This is, this is uh, you know, I, I do dress casually in my my private hours. The <laughs> softer side of Tim. <laughs> Tim Riley vacation mode. All right. Yes. Well, uh, well, travel safely, Tim, and uh, we will see you most likely we'll on Tuesday. You, Why do you, you bet. Leave I, us with Timmy Ryan. I, well, I I, I bid oh. the highest out of all the lowest bids, so I'm sure I'll travel very safely. <laughs> <laughs> Shatner wouldn't scare you wrong, no, Tim. All right, excellent. He'll just dump me into the most traffic possible, <laughs> both coming and going. <laughs> He'll Thanks, make, Bill. Uh, he'll make you regret ever going. So I'll see you guys Tuesday. <laughs> On that note, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4-5.
Six and seven, top of the air all the way through like us. All right, we'll talk about the body of lies or whatever here in a second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Where the hell have you been? Anyways. <laughs> this is Kid. Was I'm from the I've been in the cold uni- for so damn long. Wait, what? Did you just say a line from the last unicorn? No, I don't. No, if, if I did, I, I was like completely unaware. I'm sorry. Have you have you been on hold? I, we would try this week. We've been trying to do our all calls within ten minutes thing. Apparently, I, it's my fault for having the little phone screen thing minimized. I didn't see you were there. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, anyways, I called in to tell Richie that the definition of a show tune is that it must have been in a musical. So he could sing something from, uh, you know, whatever. He could sing something from Cabaret. He could sing something from Chicago. Sound of Music. Sound of Music. The, oh, God. The Blues the Brothers. Moe's love that. All right. Um, and right. Uh, Or a Torch song, you know, something from the, say, 1940s. That's uh, the, I, when I do sing, that's Torch songs, musicals. He could bust out some, uh, he could bust out some Cole Porter. Yeah, like, yeah, that would work. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Richie wants to know if you're in drag right now. If I'm in, well, then I would be switching. I suppose I'd need to don a mustache or hey, something is, like is, that. Is, is a woman who dresses a man still called a drag queen? I don't know if it would be a queen. You are in drag. Interesting. I heard right. reference to drag king. I, drag actually, king. I think you're a drag king, correct. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but you are not a drag queen. Uh, may I ask what celebrity you most resemble? Um... You know the chick from the B-52s? What is her name? Kate Pearson or Cindy Wilson? Kate, Kate Pearson. I like I what I'm hearing. I've been told that, that <laughs> I, I look quite like her. We both have very exceptionally long red hair. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for clarifying this for Richie. You're very welcome. Uh, thank you. There you go. All right. Uh, Scott Daly. Yes, sir. Uh, for that new, it's the new Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio film. Yes, called Body of Lies. Uh, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio. More importantly, directed by Ridley Scott, who once again cast Russell Crowe. Um, you know, Russell Crowe and Ridley Scott go together like De Niro and Scorsese or Depp and Burton. Um, so, you know, you, you know you're going to get good stuff. Body of Lies was written by William Monaghan, uh, who also wrote uh, The Departed mm-hmm. and Russell Crowe's film a couple years ago called Kingdom of Heaven. Which is not one of my favorite, uh, not Russell Crowe, I'm sorry, Ridley Scott film. Not one of my favorite Ridley Scott films, but still a very, very w- well done film. Uh, Body of Lies is uh, a film about uh, DiCaprio, is a CIA spy who is uh, over in um, in the Middle East, and it's just, it's a you know it's about the Taliban and who do you trust, and you know, and Russell Crowe is is a CIA ex CIA spy um, who is kind of mentoring him, and uh, it, you know I don't want to give away too much of the story just because it's you know full of spoilers, right? Uh, but you know what? It's 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 a really really solid Ridley Scott film uh, who pulls out some really really great performances by both DiCaprio and uh, um, uh, Russell Crowe, right. and I you know I just like what DiCaprio has done with his career. Does he still you know? look like he's about twelve? No, he doesn't. He's actually aged. He's he's start he's starting to grow into his age. All right, and, uh, and that was that thing about the Aviators. I watched the Aviator and I kept thinking like I just don't buy that he's more than fifteen. Oh, really? Yeah, and yeah, I, I I totally bought into it because because of how he played Howard Hughes. I mean, he's a good actor. Himself. Don't get me wrong, but it's like his appearance can be challenged. It's like uh, the same thing with and a movie I love. The Good Shepherd with Matt Damon. Uh-huh. I love The Good Shepherd, but I, I, it was so hard to believe that Matt Damon had a kid who was like 25 See, or 30 years of age. I'm like, I'm not buying this. I could buy DiCaprio over Matt Damon playing someone in, yeah. his, in, his, in his 40s right. or whatever. Right. But uh, and again, this is full of action. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a great film to go sit cool. and watch and just just be absorbed. And, just, and I did Ridley Scott. Things. You know, you want to support yeah, Ridley Scott. You, you really to, do. You know, and even even the stuff that Ridley Scott does that's kind of corny. Uh, like he does that. Uh, he does that show. Um, which I do think is on CBS, actually. He does that show Numbers. 
Is that for the Scott? Which I've only seen once, but I think Ridley and Tony Scott are the producers of oh, that okay. show. All right. Yeah, yeah, and, Scott uh, Pre-Productions. And right. it, you know, and it's, it's kind of corny, but it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's sort of like um, it's sort of like a corny version of that movie Sneakers, a little yeah. bit, kind of like that. Yeah. But you know, it's fun. It is. It is fun, and it's math. It is a it is a detective show all about math nerds, which oh, is nice. which is pretty cool. And it's like every episode there's some crime, some murder they got to solve, and they got to solve it by doing some like insane math problem that helps them figure out like a pattern to the crime. And so it's sort of like the it's like MacGyver but with math, where it's sort of based in reality and it's kind of you know off the charts exaggerated, but it's you know it's pretty cool. And so I gotta say, that. I gotta say, Tony Scott is one of my guilty pleasure Dude, directors. I love anything that man does. You know, I was just watching the other day with Man on Fire again. <laughs> I yeah, love no, Man on Fire. It's a great movie. Man it on really Fire, is. and people made fun of it when it came out because it's so over the top uh-huh. in terms of the production. I love that movie. But it's got Denzel Washington, so it has a little bit of uh, it's badass. respect and stuff. And But but the, the way Tony Scott, A, uh, shoots his films, the color filtration he uses is amazing. Right. And it's so in your face and so over your top. I mean, Days of Thunder, Last Boy Scout, they're just great And the great fact movies. that both of those guys, that's like a screw them and all their talent. Oh, completely. Thing. Two brothers... You know, one of them makes, you know, like in this case, like a man on fire. They don't make Alien and Blade Runner. Exactly. I mean, seriously, F you guys. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, a little talent over here. Leave some for the rest of us. No kidding. All right. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. That hey. was a perfect show tune. For it Richie? With that last definition. This no, is for, for Richie Rochelle. to sing? Rochelle. Oh, I'm sorry, for Rochelle, yes. Yeah. Um, do you remember in Blazing Saddles, uh, I'm Tired by Lily, by Lily von Stupp? Yes. Yep. All right, oh, that's perfect. Fair enough. I think, yeah, for his vocal, vocal range or capabilities, whatever, that would be perfect. Maybe I will excerpt that and we'll start the show and with that on Monday. Aaron probably knows some uh, World War One German uh, rifle drill team that could probably, you know, do the uh, dancing. Wait, oh, why would genius. Why would Aaron know a World War One rifle drill team? I just, I'll bet you money. Well, that would be something that Aaron would probably. Or people that have German uniforms and uh, drill rifles. Like, can't you see Richie dr- dancing around in a dress of people parading behind him dressed as soldiers? I really with, can, but I'm, I'm back fans. on Aaron knowing a lot of people who have German uniforms. Like, you know, maybe reenactors or something. Oh, I see. Oh, you mean like like guys who do like the Civil War reenactment or something? Yeah, not All people right. that have a psychotic urge to dress up like... Uh, I was going to say, yes. Uh, <laughs> to say, I don't know that Aaron's family really cottons to people who, who fetishize <laughs> German war... Uh, German war uh, uh, costume. Perhaps we're thinking of another CBS Not radio personality. Wrong with that. All right. No. Of course. Right. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right. You've never seen, and I know you've never seen Blazing Saddles, right? Mm-mm. So, well, what are you going to do? Um, right. But I want to. Well, well, here's the thing. So, no, no, before you watch Blazing Saddles, that it is. You remember how? Uh, you played an excerpt of it um, for a show open once, and I, I thought it sounded really interesting. It is interesting. Let me. Uh, I'll tell you. First of all, you should see it because it's a great comedy. It really is, and it, for, especially for its time was a groundbreaking comedy. You watch Blazing Saddles now, and you do realize that, uh, that you know, South Park aside, because we were talking about that South Park scene where there was all the raping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, this, the guys in South Park were obviously influenced by two things. South Park was obviously influenced by Monty Python and by Mel Brooks. Yep. Because Mel Brooks, who made Blazing Saddles, I mean, his imprint is all over South Park. Mm-hmm. So just as South Park occasionally does comedy where it's like somebody slapping you a little bit, and you're like, wow, I cannot believe that they are saying that. Blazing Saddles has some of that, too. The Blazing Saddles, I'll just, I'll just say, Blazing Saddles is filled with racial humor. Oh. That is... That is shocking even now. I mean, the film was made 32 years ago. Well, and people forget that, and people watch it and they think, like, how could Mel Brooks, how could some white guy make this movie? People forget that Mel Brooks wrote Blazing Saddles with Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. Richard Pryor co-wrote that. 
And I'm not trying to do the like, it's only okay because Richard Pryor, I'm just saying people think that, you know, Mel Brooks just hadn't created it. And Richard Pryor, for whatever reason over the years, Richard Pryor's kind of got, he's gotten overlooked. People have sort of shafted him out of his credit on that because he, you look right there and it says written by Mel Brooks, da da da, Richard Pryor. But anyway, it's a great movie and it's a great deconstruction of the Western genre. And it is very, I mean, it's, they don't pull any punches. I mean, the, the, the humor in Blazing Saddles is very, um, I mean, it's very aggressive. It's very non-PC. I don't think you could make Blazing Saddles today. It's, it's, it's pretty out there. But, uh, but there is a great sequence that where Madeline Kahn is in a saloon and she's like a cabaret dancer and she actually does a whole song called I'm Tired where German soldiers come out and they do like a choreographed thing with like rifles and bayonets behind her, which is, which is pretty great. Yeah, so, right, you know, like their feet that. are in, are in yeah. spats and they're under, in their socks yeah. and whatnot. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's a uh, great choreographed scene. Yeah, you should see it. It's just, it's an important film in American comedy, but be, but be prepared. I referenced a lot. Yeah, be, be prepared to hear some comedy that you're not used to hearing in 2008. Okay. Next to Young Frankenstein, it is Brooks's best film. Yeah. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick. What do you got? Uh, well, you know, in all of Mel Brooks' movies, he has a Nazi in every one of his movies. You'll have to, and his explanation of that is he didn't want, I mean, a serious one was that he didn't, even though he's making fun, he didn't want anybody to ever forget the Nazis. So oh. it's pretty fascinating. No, true. And, it, and if you ever want proof that his impact reaches all the way to South Park, you watch the original The Producers. And again, it seems maybe less shocking now, but when The Producers first came out, he has that song, Springtime for Hitler, where it is this basically a big gay singing and dancing troupe singing about being a Nazi, you know, and don't be stupid, be a smarty, come and join the Nazi party, and they're singing the Springtime for Hitler. And it was so satisfying, you know, because Mel Brooks is Jewish, and it's so great that, you know, even 25 years after the fact, he's just, somebody's just sitting there kicking the corpse of Hitler. You know, they're just, they're just, yeah, just putting the boot in a quarter century later. So great to watch. And, and, and Brooks has no qualms about it. He's, he's, He's put it out there yeah. all the time. It's no, great. You're right. Yeah. So, speaking yeah. of Mel, Brooks, the song, perfect song, uh, for Richie to do is from Mel Brooks. It's from the producers, which is Keep It Gay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, 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 see now that I'm just thinking Mel Brooks stuff. There's stuff all over that you could do. Yeah. All right. Well recommended, sir. And for those of you who want to get introduced to Mel Thank Brooks, you. I highly recommend you watch the original producers as opposed to the most recent theatrical release. I would producers. agree. I would agree. Because the, it's kind of washed watered down quite a bit. I would agree. The original film of the producers, which came out in '69, I think, is way better than than the one with Nathan Lane and the oh, Michael Butler. Uh, uh, um, Zero Mostel or whatever his name is, and um, uh, uh, Gene, Gene Wilder. Wilder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where did I go right? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's up, man? What do you got? Hey, uh, I was calling actually to get a book recommendation because I've read three of the books that you've recommended on the show, and they're all awesome. Well, now I'm destined to fail with this next one. What, what, have, you, what have you read so far? Uh, World War Z, mm -hmm. The Right Stuff, and Into the Wild. Oh, man. Um, so uh, World War Z, obviously a novel about the zombie apocalypse. The right stuff is um, is Tom Wolfe's book about the uh, you know the, the early uh, you know the the Mercury program, right? And um, into the wild, and then into the wild is John Krakauer. Uh, right. Which of those did you like the most, or can you even pick one? You know, I liked uh, probably World War Z the best. Um, I was uh, I was uh, looking for something that's sort of like like a dark adventure story? Well, let me say this. Uh, I will recommend a book to you. Um, it, it is, it's not a novel. It's, it's true. If you're looking for dark adventure, uh, I would recommend a book called In the Heart of the Sea by Nathaniel Philbrick. Okay. And I do believe it's actually at the, uh, as heard on the Rick Emerson Show Table of Palace, but it's called In the Heart of the Sea. Is and it a true story? It is a true story. 
is a true story um, about a, and I'm not spoiling anything here because they give you, like, I'll tell you this, in the first couple pages, they put some images into your head that you will probably never forget, and then and then they jump back about six months, and the rest of the book is building back up to that ending. It is a uh, it is a story. I will give you the, the just the, the the brief description, and again, I'm not spoiling anything here because it's on the back cover. It is a story about a whale ship, uh, the whale ship Essex, which was uh, off the coast of Nantucket. It was rammed by a sperm whale. It sunk almost immediately. And as always happens in these true stories, it was rammed by an angry whale. Uh, it sunk almost immediately, and a whole bunch of guys had to get into three leaky uh, lifeboats with almost no food or water. And then, then the rest of the book is what happened to them, and it's absolutely true. And I will say, without reservation, it is the darkest thing I have ever read. But it's great. So, awesome. In the heart I, I, of the sea. I will do that. Hey, and um, I, I, there, was, there was one book I just read I was going to recommend to you if you haven't already read it. What is it? The Road. Oh, Carmack McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, I keep meaning to read that, and then I keep not doing it. But maybe I will try to get And when I'm done with my current book, maybe I'll do that. The, yeah, the, 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 the movie's coming out in about a month. Yeah, yeah, so I'll try to read it before the movie comes they out. They shot it in uh, part of it in St. Helens, actually. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Thanks, sir. Thanks. All right, there you go. We'll take a break. Back after this, more from Scott Daly. Uh, more of your phone calls around the corner. Oh, I never read this. Um, I never read this news, and I never made the October announcement. We're going to do both of those things when we get back. Honest. All right, don't go anywhere. Here's D.O. Sorry about that. Here I am. Oh, I'm prepared. Uh, and so forth. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, so join us next week, Monday. The guy called us earlier. Monday, uh, we will have the uh, listener in who will do his top five teenage moping songs. Thanks to everybody who posted at uh, my uh, space page. Uh, there was, I think, I checked this morning, it was like 65 submissions, people posting their personal top five teenage moping songs. And I, I and I hate to sound corny about it, but it, it was so tough to pick one. I mean, I hate, in a way, I almost wish I hadn't done it because then I feel like a jerk because they were all really, really good. And there were great lists, a lot of <laughs> they were quite really, diverse group. So go read them, if nothing else, because they're fascinating. I mean, I, I wish I could do them all, I just can't. Uh, but we, we, picked, uh, we picked one guy at random almost. Uh, you know, his list is go, but we just kind of picked one. And he's going to come in Monday and count his down. And then Lisa Desjardins uh, will be doing hers next week and so oh, forth. Cool. We'll have to talk more about this next week. I've been having this running argument all day with Lisa Wood from KUFO uh, because she is trying to claim to me now that Chinese democracy will be released by Guns N' Roses November 23rd. And here we, here we go from That's Billboard. That's what I heard next month. More than a decade after its conception, Chinese democracy will see the light of day before year's end. The set will be available at Best Buy Sunday, November 23rd. The set? Well, they, you know, whatever, the yeah, the, the, the album or whatever. So on a Sunday. Um so I'll just say I believe it when I see it. Yeah. When it's in my uh, when it's on my warm living hand, I'll believe it. So we'll talk more about that next week. Um, finally, I want to make this announcement. I wish I'd done this earlier. I don't have time, but we'll, we'll talk more about it next week. Because it is October, uh, the latest innovation here uh, from AM970, making your life better every single day, is the AM970 audio blog. And so here's what you do. You go to audio blog, one word, audioblog.am, audioblog.am. And what you do is once you're there, you can upload your own audio content, which is um, your own little bits of comedy that you do, a movie review that you've done, your own original music, your rants, observations, whatever. You can upload it there, and then it plays it uh, on the AM970 live stream 
uh, where everybody else can hear it. So it is another way to interact with the uh, you know the, the other AM 970 listeners, That's part awesome. of the community. Go to audioblog.9. Uh, I'm sorry, audioblog.am. Audioblog.am. We'll be talking more about it next week, so do that now. All right, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Scott Daly. Yes, sir. Viva Radio, thank new episode up now. And as we speak, we have David Walker from Badass Mopo on as our guest. Excellent. Dorothy Costaseri from the National Enquirer and uh, more. So, uh, all right. Like us next, uh, Miles Around Tomorrow, 9 to 11, Sunday night, 7 to uh, 9, Musicology. Sunday, 7 to 9, Musicology. Rick Emerson, show produced today, and everybody by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman. You know the rest. Do it yourself here. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. And bye now.